What is up, Foley fam? We are back with another episode of the Pod Warriors. Man, that song gets me fired up. Yeah, there's there's not much better than uh, getting the potties going. Uh, <laughs> 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 with some wow. Legion of Doom. <laughs> wow, the potties. Let the potties hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. <laughs> I can't top that one, dude. I was not expecting Jordan to hit me with the potties right there. Uh, we got a very special episode for you guys. Uh, you know, it's first time in a couple months doing a wrestling version of the pod warriors we had our special you know that gets it's kind of annual at this point doing a christmas episode for the pod warriors um but yeah we me and jordan been busy doing the goal line thanks again for all the support over there for those quick quick intro for those that haven't listened to a pod warriors episode before this is me and jordan's little spinoff of the chick foley show where we create some evergreen content um we look at stuff that's you know you get you can listen to it the day it comes out or the year later, and it's still going to hold up for the most part um, exactly the same. So if you like what you hear here on this episode, uh, make sure you go back through the archives. We have them all clearly labeled as Pod Warriors episodes and check out some of the other stuff we've done because because uh, we're really proud of some of those episodes we've put together over the last two years. So speaking of, uh, you know, putting a couple good years together, we are here to celebrate a uh, an, an anniversary that just went by in wrestling, man. AEW has quietly compete completed five years jordan am i crazy or did they not make a very big deal out of uh wrapping up five years of AEW? they did not which is pretty disappointing honestly i mean mjf had that um thing that he did talking about five years of AEW, but yeah I, i thought they would make um the first dynamite of the year just like one of the biggest shows but i mean they briefly touched on it but just kind of went by the wayside which is weird considering how important the five years of a company brand new company is i mean pretty incredible yeah i mean they and it's wild you know even the wwf back in the day you know wwf they had to build up to what they were um you know tna before it became what it ultimately was it was kind of you know wallowing for a couple years just trying to find something that works these guys were basically as mainstream. They were basically the number two wrestling company in the world the moment they debuted, which is pretty wild um, that they've been as successful as they have been. So we're going to kind of go through the timeline of major accomplishments over the the five years of AEW. Talk about the stuff that we've loved, some stuff we'd like to see improve over the next five years. We're going to hand out some awards, and then we got a ton of really good listener mail to get to. Um, so you ready to get into the, the timeline, Jordan? Let's do it. I was halfway expecting you to yell out a wild thing right there. Sorry to disappoint you again. <laughs> uh, man, I really enjoyed Mox's first AW thing, but I thought it was a huge upgrade when they switched to wild thing. I felt like it just works with the whole entrance to the crowd and everything. It does. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it when they first debuted it, but um, it's grown on me as the years have gone by. All right. So let's start off really where it all began. Uh w- We'll start where it began, and then we'll do a little time traveling back in time before that. But I think we got to start New Year's Eve 2018. 
in Japan, the Bucks, Cody, and Hangman all upload a video on social media at the same time. With the they'd been teasing a countdown that was ended at midnight on uh, New Year's Eve for for a couple weeks on BTE and stuff, and uh, all their phones go off. Um, you know, Cody and the Bucks they're holding up there showing that it's going to be uh, double or nothing 2019. You know, we're thinking it's just the follow up to that first All In from that prior September. Um, and then Hangman says, wait, mine shows something different. And for the first time, we see that AEW logo, All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was, it was crazy time in wrestling because there, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, variety, you could say. I mean, you still had impact and stuff like that. But um, this was like the first true competition WWE was going to have since WCW. Um just the absolute sheer wildness of four wrestlers starting their own company. I mean, still to this day, it kind of just, it feels surreal that this actually happened. Um, especially considering who the four were. I mean, it was four of the biggest wrestlers in the world. Like any of those guys could main event anywhere. Cody wasn't as big at that point, but um, Kenny and the Bucks were as big as it was at that point. So yeah, it was a. Uh, I, I still remember it, but um, yeah, I'm happy they did it because it, it brought us some really good wrestling out of it. I mean, dude, the thing you got to remember, especially we're, we're in a little bit of a boom period right now, so I'm sure we have some listeners who maybe weren't watching or weren't watching as intensely at the you know end of 2018, early 2019. WWE in the time was in the absolute crapper creatively, man. Like this was around that time where. They had Vince, Triple H, and Steph in the, in the ring basically apologizing to the fans for the product and saying that, you know, they were going to start listening to the fans from now on just because it was just a straight-up doldrums, man, for what they were presenting week by week. So the thought of having, you know, a young upstart like this was just so, so um, tantalizing for wrestling fans. Impact had fallen off, right? Impact slash TNA was, you know, they were just trying to keep a pulse at that point. Um, and there really was not a, an alternative in, in American wrestling, dude. ROH was doing its thing, but, you know, they had been raided big time by NXT. So, um, you know, they weren't really playing with a full deck of cards. So this was just, this was so appealing, man, that that these guys were all going to be showing up. Because remember at the time, you know, they were free agents. There was a lot of rumors that WWE was going to go get all these guys. Uh, but the fact that they were starting their own company instead after all the positive momentum from all in was just very, very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. I remember being so stoked uh, once I saw this was going to be a real thing. Um, we'll flash back to that prior Labor Day weekend. The uh, you know, It's basically the elite in conjunction with Ring of Honor put on All In. Um, I thought it was a great pay-per-view, man. I was very, it was very, you know, just groundbreaking at the time. It was basically an independent, you know, a glorified independent show that managed to sell out uh, 10,000 in the, the Chicago area and do a pretty good number on pay-per-view and just presented something totally different from everything WWE was doing at the time. And it was the first time a lot of fans in America had seen wrestling like that. Yeah. They sold 10,000 or 11,263 seats in 30 minutes for a company for a, that wasn't even a promotion at the time. It was just a standalone event at that time. Like no matches announced, no zero matches announced. It was a standalone event. Um, the event itself just, absolutely phenomenal wrestling all around i mean dude you look back on this and okada and uh the villain were in the co-main event of the night then you had the golden elite and um they wrestled bandito ray phoenix and ray mysterio like dude just those two matches alone 
like you just kind of think back in time and it's like they had Rame fucking Mysterio on all in like sometimes yeah. you kind of forget that that actually happened at that show but yeah just absolutely insane and um i think mjf was in the opening match right or was he at the pre-show uh no he wasn't on the pre-show because the pre-show was uh but yes mjf was in the the first actual match uh he got beat by matt cross in nine minutes so yeah pretty crazy yeah, I, I thought it was a ton of fun. And so if you knew we were getting something in that flavor, but an actual full-fledged promotion, um, it was it was lit, man, as the kids say. I remember seeing those weird rumors on like Reddit, um, like mid-2018, that the Jacksonville Jaguars son might be starting up a wrestling company with Chris Jericho and Jim Ross. And you're reading it, you're like, what the hell is this? You know, Because there have been so many different kind of stories bubble up like that over the years as wrestling fans. I know for a while, uh, sound like Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart were going to start their own promotion that was going to have some big, you know, big financial backing, just different things like that. So you didn't really think much was going to come of it. But then, you know, in the blink of an eye, there we were, man, on the verge of, uh, of AEW kicking off. Yeah. Uh, we'll fast. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. We'll fast forward to their first pay-per-view, which really their first show, man, uh, was Double or Nothing. They're in Las Vegas, Memorial Day weekend, 2019. Um, big, the biggest thing on this is that, you know, after the main event of Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, we have John Moxley, you know, formerly known as Dean Ambrose in the WWE, uh, making his debut and coming up and just wrecking shit uh, on, on Jericho and Omega. I was very happy with this, man. I remember this paper. I remember getting this pay-per-view. I'd been out fishing all day with my dad out on the boat out in the sun, so... I was kind of freaking like baked, man, like just really, really tired. You know, you get when you're out in the sun all day. And I remember the first half of the show being like, uh, you know, whatever, dude. And then that Dustin and Cody match happened and I was just locked in the whole second half. And I was so fired up for AEW by the time uh, Mox came out to end the night. Yeah. It, looking back on it, man, what a historic night for wrestling. Like you have what was one of the top three guys in WWE coming over to AEW when his contract is up. AEW that had just started, by the way, like this wasn't like an established promotion at the time. Like Mox literally put his career on the line doing this. And I mean, it's safe to say it paid off for him. Like he's, I, I think he's just as big, if not bigger than he's ever been at this point. So um, yeah, it just, and I mean, dude, you had the young bucks and the Lucha brothers for the AAA world tag team titles. Like, I, I mean, this I remember watching this event and just thinking, man, I hope this continues to work because it, it's really cool. I mean, you left out the most important part. You had the AEW World Championship being debuted by none other than Brett, the freaking Hitman Heart, dude. I mean, how perfect was that? Yeah, that, that couldn't have been any better the way they did it. Um, still to this day, I'm a little shocked that Jericho was the first champ considering Omega was in that match, but... I mean, not like shocked to the point of I think they made a mistake, but just kind of just shocked overall. But I mean, getting Jericho to come over there was a huge deal because he really lifted that brand up with him being there. Just an established guy like him. I mean, it's arguable on a lot of people if Jericho is like one of the five best wrestlers ever. I mean, people argue it all day. So it's just it's it's insane that this event had these two guys being part of it with Mox and Chris Jericho. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was important that Jericho was was the first champ just because he was a, a credible main event superstar to American wrestling fans, man. Like 
you know, the obviously the hardcore fans were already worshiping at the altar of Kenny Omega, but there was a ton of people that probably the first time they saw Kenny Omega was that first episode of Dynamite, you know? Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was very cool to see. And yeah, just this show does age really well, too. That Cody yeah. and Dustin match is absolutely phenomenal. One match of the year on a lot of people from Dave Meltzer and a lot of other people um, that year. Yeah, it's a great match. Go- going back to Brett, man, I think it's kind of cool. It almost makes it seem even more significant, the fact that he's never done anything with AEW since. That was a legit one-off, man. We saw him debut the championship, and that was it. He hasn't touched AEW since then. I feel like it makes that moment even that much more special. Yeah, I, I feel like them getting him to come in, like you said, even though it was only a one-off, is – it's a pretty big moment for AEW, honestly. I mean, yeah, Brett has bad blood with WWE, and he always will. But, I mean, still pretty damn cool to get Brett to unveil your first title. I feel like it gave it just instant credibility and just put it over as, as something special. Um, let's fast forward to the first episode of Dynamite. It was that October uh, out of Washington, D.C. Um, first match is Sammy Guevara, Cody Rhodes, I felt like that. I really enjoyed that first Dynamite. I felt like it was WCW Nitro all over again in in like all the best ways. Yeah, I, I still like kind of think back to that time of how lucky we were that this happened. You know, um, it did. It felt just like Nitro to me. Like everything from the presentation all the way down to the matches, it it felt like a WCW event, which. I mean, for your first event, there's worse things to be compared to, you know? Um, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I feel, bro, I'm, I'm recording the show wearing WCW Nitro Chalkline shorts. Yeah, so we love WCW here. I mean, up until WCW was freaking awesome just up until, you know, it's death spiral that last year or so, man. So, yeah, no, I, I don't say that as any kind of insult. I will say, man, I think a take of mine that aged kind of well. I remember at the time... Um, with the episode ends and Jake Hager, you know, formerly known as Jack Swagger is like the big reveal, you know, coming in to be Jericho's kind of like bodyguard or whatever. And I was like, Oh dude, why, why we couldn't find anybody besides freaking Jack Swagger to come in and do this. And he came in looking like Jake from state farm wearing like khakis and a polo shirt. Yeah. He looked like a complete turd mainly cause he is a complete <laughs> turd. I just, I fucking <laughs> dude, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, whatever. He, not good. He's dude. He's a, a mid card jobber to me, man. No, nothing more, nothing less. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, let's flash forward about another six months into the future. Uh, the pandemic's hit. It's kind of changed the way wrestling looks and feels. AEW starting to hit its stride, and they give us something that we really, you know, we've had empty arena matches before, but nothing ever to this level. The first stadium stampede match from uh, from Double or Nothing twenty twenty. This still to this day is one of my favorite matches. I'm not. I'm not even like exaggerating. It is one of my favorite uh, matches. Like I just, I thought at the time this was so cool that they were doing this, and I don't know, man. Just it seems so like off the radar for what what was happening in wrestling at this time. Um, and but yeah, it was just absolutely incredible, man. I, I love it. I mean, you got the elite versus the inner circle. Like, what more could you want out of a match, honestly? You got horses. You got freaking, you know, one-winged angels out of the freaking stands, dude. Like, yeah, it was it was just insanity, man. Um, they were really kind of pushing the envelope for 
what we can do with this, you know, crowdless wrestling format, um, which leads me into the next thing I want to talk about. This isn't necessarily one event, but I just want to talk about what an amazing job AEW did um, adapting during the pandemic with their run of shows they had there at Daly's Place, man. I thought I just loved the look and feel of those shows, considering the hand they were dealt. Um, I, I thought they just nailed it and was absolutely lapping what WWE was doing over on the other channel. Yeah, it just everything AEW was doing at this time was just gold. Like th- there's there's no other way to describe it. They just they were shitting out gold. I mean, there was no fans and they're just literally running circles around WWE at this point. WWE is barely like surviving it felt like at this point and AEW is just thriving. And this is not like a shitting on WWE. It's just the fact was no. when when the pandemic hit AEW went up a notch and WWE went down about 20 notches. Like it just, it was just what it was. Dude, if you think about it, man, AEW should have died that first year. Like, can you imagine investing all this money in a live entertainment company? And then, you know, less than six months into it, really, well, you know, less than six months from really getting kicked off with the weekly TV and stuff. Anyways, a global pandemic happens and basically shuts down your entire mode of operation. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the fact that they survived the pandemic is, is something to behold. Like WWE obviously was going to survive the pandemic. They weren't going to run out of money or anything. It seemed like WWE was content to just tread water though. Like it seemed like they were fine with just, you know, treading water for a while, at least for, for that first six months or so until they switched to the, uh, the Thunderdome stuff. Yeah. AEW was not content treading water. AEW no. was ready to put it down and they, they were did. building momentum, dude, to, to the point to where when fans were allowed to come back that next May, it was an explosion, man. I remember you were at my house for that first, uh, that rampage and then double or nothing 2021. And it was just electric dude. Seeing AEW in front of a live audience, man. It was so great. Yeah. It, uh, I'm really glad that I came out there for that pay-per-view in that weekend just because I felt like, honestly, that weekend was a really historic weekend for wrestling, just having fans back in attendance and um, AEW put on a damn good show. But yeah, we're focusing on the pandemic era and they killed it in the pandemic era, man. You go back and watch those shows, they still hold up. I've watched a couple yeah. of them since then. So I think it was... One, Daily's Place, just it looked unique, right? Like, just it, it looked different from a typical wrestling setup. I think being outside helped a lot, too, because most of the time they were starting off while it was still daylight outside. So you kind of had the light changing as the episodes went on. Um, you know, you'll see that you just look at the cover art for this episode, man. There were some spectacular uh, sunset shots and everything during the wrestling. I don't know. It just it felt alive, man. And I love that, dude. Like, I was on so... Um, we're getting a little bit of the personal stuff, man. You know, I went on deployment, uh, basically I think it was January 2nd, 2020. I went on deployment to the middle East and was gone for six months, dude. So I like missed the whole actually living through the pandemic and stuff. I was, I was able to see AEW on cable, uh, on the ship. And then by the time I got back home that July, dude, AEW was just humming. And I remember just being so excited every single Wednesday night to see, uh, dynamite there from Daly's place. I'm not going to lie. They they did Dynamite last week at Daly's place and it felt gigantic again. Like Yeah. It it felt like AEW was right back where they needed to be. Um and don't get me wrong, I love that they travel, but dude, there's always going to be something special about them running the show at Daly's place. Just like the setup of it, the way like the stage is set up and everything. I don't know, man. It just 
it, it to me and don't take this like the wrong way to me like daily's place is like what uh madison square garden is for wwe like yeah it's home base yeah man. it just it, feel it, it feels like a home show like th- that's what yeah. they should run that way more than they do because i mean just just everything about it just feels it makes it feel like a big show to me even though it's the smallest arena they run but it feels like such a huge show when they run a show there yeah, I'm I'm totally cool with getting TV there once every couple months and making that every, every you know I think they should do the first episode of Dynamite each year there and, and do it you know call it Homecoming like they just did make it one of the big hyped up episodes man like I think people would get down for that yeah I agree I just I think that they they stray too much away from Daily's place because I think they felt like they ran it so much because of the pandemic but dude telling you man last week felt big it felt like a big show like Samoa Joe came out. Um, debuting that new belt like it just to me it felt like a huge show and in a smaller venue like that where you can pack it out where it's going to be filled with your hardcore fans i don't think that hurts you to run that week after week look at nxt man nxt benefits so much from from running there at their their studio in orlando um every single week man because you just you build up so much equity and i know there's people who like i haven't really been super into but i see how much the nxt crowd is getting into them you, know, you can talk about it's like it's like that with the modern nxt and going back to the original black and gold mm-hmm. nxt when they were taping at full sale dude like there's people that that local crowd gets so into that it makes me start to get into them more and it was the same thing with uh you know with aw wrestlers during this time period yeah because like when wwe or nxt sorry ran deadline last month where was it texas i can't remember now but either way dude the crowd's just not into it the same even though there's ten thousand more people there it feels like it's a smaller show and they're running such a big arena like dude the problem is is when you're when you're like a smaller company like nxt aw the problem is, is you have your hardcore built-in fan base and like, that's the people you should be appeasing to. Um, I, I feel like AW goes too much into like appeasing places of the country that don't really, they don't really want it. You know, like uh, when they got all crazy about running California for whatever that was three weeks, like by the end of it, you could just kind of tell like it kind of wore off, you know, it just, yeah, it didn't wasn't a lot feel- of support out there. They hit, uh, you know, they hit Utah, Salt Lake City. I think that was kind of like their rock bottom for ticket sales. So, yeah, I think they need to kind of stick with the, you know, kind of the southeast and moving up the east coast, man. And and, and then you got Chicago there for kind of their their area. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. That's where a lot of the hardcore fans are. Dude, most of the Foley fam, if you did like a little geographic map of the Foley fam, I think we have like maybe like 5% of our people out on the west coast, dude. Like, I don't know what it is. The south and midwest is where wrestling lives. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, dude, look at the way WWE used to run shows. Like, yeah, they would go to, like, different places of the country, but the majority of the shows were Northeast, Southeast. They'd, they'd run a lot of, like, Chicago, things like that. Like, Yeah, even LA, they don't go out West Coast a ton, man. They'll, they'll go to L.A. some, but it's not uh, routine yet. WWE still stays pretty much on the eastern half of the United States. And you should, dude. Like, you have to, you have to work to your fan base. Like, you don't need to be something you're not. And I feel like that's where AEW gets off track too much is like, they want to be something that they're not like they're, they're not going to sell 8,000 tickets in fucking Cuyahoga, Michigan or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I really feel <laughs> Kalamazoo. like, yeah, I just, I don't get it, man. I just, dude, you know where you sell tickets, go there. When you prove that you're, you're good enough to, to move out back on the road. Cause the other thing is, man, 
I don't know about you, but shelling out $100 for a wrestling ticket right now is not like at the top of my list for just a weekly. It better television. be a pay-per-view, man. If it's weekly, if it's weekly TV, you better have a damn good match that I feel like I have to be there in person to see. That's why I said I, I brought this up to you the other night. Like everything in the lower bowl should be 25 to $50. Make it affordable to take your family to a wrestling show. And that's what will make it better for like ticket sales. I mean, shit, maybe even cheaper than that. Maybe like 15 to $40. Because, dude, when you're going to an AEW show, you're not worried about how many tickets are selling in the upper bowl. They're not selling any. Fill in the lower bowl with the smaller tickets, with the less tickets. And then if you need to fill in the upper bowl, dude, sell those tickets for 10 bucks. I'm fine with them doing floor seats for a hundred bucks for even for weekly tapings. But yeah, dude, I just, I feel like when you're charging that much money, like if you're not delivering an A plus show, people are going to feel like they got ripped off and then they're never going to do it again. Yeah, I feel you. I think they still got some work to do on figuring out exactly what the what the sweet spot is with their uh, their ticket strategy. Um, let's move on to December 2020, probably the most monumental episode of AEW from Daily's Place. This was the big themed uh, winter is coming episode. We didn't really know what that meant. Um, I, w- I was low key hoping for that we were going to see uh, see Glacier debut, but on a night when uh, John Moxley lost the AW Championship to Kenny Omega, all that was overshadowed by the icon, the franchise, the legend Sting making his AEW debut. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. When uh, Shivani announced it's Sting. That was like, I'm not shitting you, dude. I went from being a 30 year old mid 30s man to right back to 16 in in a heartbeat. Like we all did. That was one of the most special nights in AEW history, and you'll never be able to replicate it. It just it it hit on every level of nostalgia. Here's the other thing, dude. Usually when they trot out legends, they look like shit. Sting has looked the same for 20 years, dude. He the dude he had, has, dude. He really he kind of stopped once the it's like the, the TNA run started and he just stopped aging. Yeah, I mean, his hairline's obviously further back, but I mean, that was the aging that happened when he was in TNA, but ever since then, outside of that fucking hideous picture of him at WrestleMania when his face paint wore off <laughs> and his hair looks like I don't know, but outside of that like cotton candy yeah outside of that dude sting sting for being as old as he is still looks good man and i don't like i don't know why but when he wrestles i don't feel like i'm watching a 60 year old man wrestle like he's still nah, moves he's killing well it, dude. And everything and, yeah yeah sting sting's freaking like four years older than my dad i couldn't imagine my dad like giving somebody a scorpion <laughs> death drop off the off the rafters man like yeah sting's crushing it dude i feel like the debut was great there were some like some tiny murmurs about you know sting maybe doing something with aew but it was a hundred percent a surprise when he showed up at that episode and i really felt like um you know, this is possibly the biggest kind of like trophy you could put in Tony Khan's case, man, for these five years is the job that they've done with Sting going on the, you know, the basically three and a half years by the time this run wraps up. I feel like they righted a lot of the wrongs, man. Like the Sting WWE chapter was really just, you could, we could do a whole Pod Wars episode about how much WWE fumbled that, um, the, the little bit of time he was there. Uh, with them, and I feel like this AW run has just showed exactly how to present a uh, a legend and a during the you know at the twilight of their career. The other crazy thing is is like I feel like Darby has been elevated so much from yeah. being with Sting. Um, Darby would probably get overlooked a lot of times because of his size, but 
dude, having Sting by your side for the last three years, I mean, it just it has elevated him so much more into like what he is now. Um, it's going to be sad, man. When once March hits and Sting's no longer there, it's gonna, it dude, it's gonna be fucking horrible. It's just, dude, you know me, man. I've been, I've been a little bit. I still love it, but I've been, I've definitely been vocally critical of AEW over the last maybe six, seven months. Um, the moment they announced that it was Sting's last match, I knew, dude. I mean, Jordan can tell you, I, I badgered him for weeks. He already had some prior commitments, so he could make it, but I badgered him for weeks to go, dude. I, I was a day one ticket buyer, man. Me and uh, and and my son Brett and some of the Turnbuckle Tavern crew, uh, we're all heading out there. I, I knew I had to be in the house to see Sting's last match, and yeah, man, like I don't, I'm gonna have to hold it together. I really don't want my son to see me cry, man. But there may be one little gangster tear trickling down my cheek whenever uh, you know Sting does the final send off after the match. I'm not going to lie to you in the back of my head. All I could fucking think about when you said, Hey man, you should go here, dude. The WrestleMania 31 thing will never sit right with me. <laughs> I, no, I'm not joking. Like this, it will just never sit right with me. What they did to him. I just, to this day, I mean, when people talk about that show, the first fucking thing they bring up, even over Rollins cashing in, is why the fuck would you bring in Sting to have him lose? Like, I mean, that match was so much fun, dude. Like, even even though it really didn't make sense for like the NWO to be helping out Sting, like with all the run-ins, all the Gaga that they had involved, like the crowd was rocking, dude, during that match. Like, DX hit comes out, gigantic pop. NWO hit, the com- NWO comes out, which Jordan called by the way, like five seconds before it happened. Jordan tells me watch the NWO coming out next all-timer of a uh a nostradamus moment for jordan um then you have hbk you know another big pop like the crowd was just electric all you got to do is a couple stinger splashes scorpion death drop send everybody out happy you know send everybody to the intermission happy um but no dude he gets hit in the head with a fucking sledgehammer which is bad enough but then like a total just freaking loser, he gets up and shakes the guy's hand, dude. I'd never forget listening to uh, Steve Austin back when he was still doing his podcast. He did his WrestleMania 31 review. And I remember him, you know, in that classic, you know, Texas, uh, that West Texas uh, voice saying, I'm not so sure if I'd shake somebody's hand if they just hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what the worst thing is, is that's the only stain on that pay-per-view. Like that is literally the yeah. last great WrestleMania. And I'm telling you right now, if Sting wins that match, that is up there in the top two or it's top three, four. Yeah. Yeah. Like dude, it, it's, I think it's, it's a top tenner right now, but yeah, it goes into that, like the absolute freaking peak of the hall of fame. Yeah. I mean, Sting wins that match and you're in the absolute peak of WrestleMania is like, I don't, I don't even know how it would be arguable. Like, cause the rest of that card is just phenomenal, but that match was great until the ending, dude, that match was way better than it had any freaking right to be, man. It was so entertaining. And it was like, it was a perfect WrestleMania match, right? With all the legends running in and everything. Like, it was just primo, dude, until the freaking ending, man. Yeah, so long story short, like, that's what's running through my mind as you're, like, asking me, hey, man, you want to fly out to Greensboro and watch Sting, Sting's last match? And all that can go through my head is, dude, if it ends the, any close to way that they ended the WrestleMania match, which... I'm going to be honest, dude. I'm going to put my full faith in Tony Khan that he's not that fucking stupid. I don't necessarily think Sting's going to win, and I think there's a way to do it where they don't win. But, dude, if if we have some bullshit like that at the end of that match, like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive Tony Khan because just, just let them have a good match, man. We don't need any dumb shit like that at the end of it. 
Well, did you see Darby? Uh, did you watch Dynamite last night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Darby said that they're going to be tag champs. So I'm wondering if the Bucks get the belts um, prior to Revolution and and the matches for the titles, or if Sting and Darby go in as uh, you know if they get the chance from Ricky Starks, they get the belts from Ricky Starks and uh, and Big Bill, man, before that show because. Yeah, that that's interesting. If you, I, I was kind of hoping that man. I actually wouldn't mind seeing it, dude. Just let 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 the Bucks have the belts. Let Sting and Darby win, and then just vacate it. And that's a good chance to do like a little soft reset on the tag team division. You know, Tony Khan loves a freaking tournament, so why not let let Sting go out on top with the belts? He needs to go out on top, man. He does. Like, dude, if anybody has earned that right to go out on top, it's fucking Sting. Like. The, yeah, the dude and has, I don't think has, has never done wrong by anyone. Like he has always like done everything the right way. Like I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Sting. Like I, I mean, seriously, you can say a bad word about every wrestler, but I've never heard anyone say anything poor about Sting. Yeah, agreed, man. I, uh, I and honestly, I don't think that would cheapen the tag belts, man. If they mm-hmm. won them and then just forfeited them, I think that that would make them be more prestigious, man. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens there, but this debut was perfect. And then, you know, we I, I kind of wanted to talk about the debut, but just segue into Sting's overall run these last three years in AEW. I mean, dude, it 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 took away everything that WWE did to me. Like Tony Khan, yeah. if we're gonna rip on Tony Khan for the bad shit that he does, you gotta congratulate him when he does something right. This Sting run has been immaculate. Like he hasn't missed perfect. on any of it. Every fucking time, I'm not kidding you guys, every time that there's a Sting match on the pay-per-view, it is always like the buffer between the the third to last match and then the main event. It's always like the co-main event spot. Yeah. And I swear to God, you guys, every time we're at a six-hour pay-per-view, Seth's like, dude, can they just kick this off to Dynamite? And then every single time the Sting match completely delivers. <laughs> every fucking time, dude. Sting does something wild that just makes the match memorable every time. And I love it, man. Like, him diving out of the crowd at that one show and doing a crossbody off the about 20 feet in the air. It's just... What about the time when uh, it was the Bucks coming out and they had... All of a sudden, you see Sting's like silhouette up against the wall, and he dives off the the freaking entrance stage. Dude, it just Tony Khan nailed the Sting thing. I, that is one thing I'm going to give Tony Khan credit for. He has absolutely nailed everything that they've done with Sting. Um, I saw somebody complain like, I, I wish Sting would have been in like title contention, not not AEW title, but a different title. I was like, for what? Sting doesn't need no goddamn title. the The tag title send off would be awesome, but. I don't need Sting carrying around a belt, dude. Like that to me feels way too WWE ish to me. Like having a sixty year old man hold a title, like I d- yeah, that's I d- not necessary. It, it would have been weird seeing him holding like you know the the international title or the TNT title or something like that. Like I do, I had kind of fantasy booked in my mind if they just if they ran back the uh, the Ric Flair storyline from WWE, where you know the next time he loses, he's gone. Um, you know, f- figure out some kind of way to get to that. But Sting could even just say it, right? Like Sting says, hey, the next time I lose a match, I'm gone. And then go on a winning streak that ends with him, like facing somebody like MJF for the belt for his last match, you know, and coming up just short. I thought that would be kind of cool if they did that. But, uh, you know, obviously Sting's kind of been pretty vocal. He doesn't want to do any singles matches on this run. He feels like uh, tag teams where he's, he's most comfortable. Well, yeah, and it helps that Darby's his fucking partner because Darby can wrestle for 45 minutes if needed. Um, yeah, 
I, I'm serious, man. I, I don't think they could get any better of a send off than what they're going to do at revolution. We don't know how the match is going to go, but the bucks are deserving of that match to me. Like, yeah, definitely in Greensboro, North Carolina, like WCW NWA hotbed. Like, yeah, it's going to be, it, it's all teeing up to be an incredible night of wrestling. And I'm, I'm very excited to, to be able to say I'm going there in person, man. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, definitely a little bit of a down note, but I think it's something that looking back, it's something, you know, people feel good about, man. Um, Brody Lee shockingly passed away, man, really just kind of rocked the wrestling world, uh, you know, right after Christmas 2020. Um, and AEW did a tremendous job. And this was the first time that they really experienced something like this. You know, it's kind of sad to say WWF head or slash WWE it had quite a few wrestler deaths over the years, man. Um, so they had a little bit of experience on this, but this was AEW's first time. And I thought the job they did on that next episode of dynamite was absolutely touching. Um, everything they did for his family, the tribute they put together, like it was something that was just really, really special. And, you know, not that I don't think they in any way were like, uh, you know, exploiting his death or anything, but I think the way they handled that and stuff got them a ton of goodwill and really set them up for the incredible year that they had in 2021. Um, just cause it, you know, the fans really appreciated all the love they showed to Brody and, you know, just, um, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was just really, really special night the way they did everything and making the best of an absolutely horrible set of circumstances. Yeah. It, when, a, when a wrestler dies, it's tough. Like you said, WWE has had to do it several times, but like they were experienced in it for, for this being AEW's first time experiencing something like this. I, I thought that they absolutely knocked it out of the park. I mean, it, it felt like, I don't know, man, it just felt like every match mattered on that show. Um, because a lot of times dude you get these tribute shows and like the one that always comes to mind is that Guerrero one that was like to me that was one of the saddest shows ever um and he, a lot of the guys couldn't even get through the matches but i felt like AEW did such a good job with this um just all the matches were were fun to watch there there was no storyline we, we were not doing any storyline that night it was just yeah. it was all about brody and um yeah, man. very similar to what WWF did when Owen Hart passed away back in '99. Yeah, that that one was probably the, the that was probably one of my other favorite ones. It seems like every time they do like um, a current wrestler dying, it just I don't know, man. It just always like you don't even really care about the show because it's just you're sad about the death yeah. and stuff like that. But I just felt like they gave the fans like something to be really happy about and go home happy and i just i don't know man i just it felt like like brody would have been thrilled with that show that they put out for him so i, I think that was the biggest thing that came out of that night if you want to go back i you know it's kind of hard to recommend going back and watch that whole episode because it is very somber definitely want to check out the video tribute that they did to him and the stuff they did with his family um it was you know very very sweet man i remember seeing his you know his son out there uh, you know, in the suit and stuff. And it just, I don't know, it was, it was rough, man. It's just kind of tugging on my heartstrings right now, thinking about it. Go back and watch the clip of Wardlow um, talking about him. You know, we, we'd barely, we may have not heard Wardlow talk before that. If we did, it was very, very briefly. Uh, you don't really know what this guy was all about, man. I remember he gave him just a very, very soulful, um, sweet tribute. And I remember like seeing that and like seeing just how much charisma the guy had and stuff and thinking like, okay, this guy really does have a future. He's not just a goon, man. That was that was the night that I bought a bunch of, you know, in addition to reflecting on Brody, I bought a bunch of stock in Wardlow after that, man. And I still think he could end up being a uh, an AW champion someday. So, 
yeah, shout, you know, let's take a, take a swig of beer for, uh, for Brody Lee. We'll have a brief moment of silence and then we'll roll into the, uh, the beverage break. What do you think, man? Buck's best theme music in AEW history? It's pretty fucking high up there. Um, I just <laughs> it's I, a good one, I shout out some streamers while you're playing that that song. <laughs> I think it's you got them. Obviously, the license stuff they've done is great, right? Like uh, you know, when Daniel Bryan comes out to Final Countdown, that's special. Uh, the guns coming out to Mini Men was freaking awesome. I liked when they did uh, <clears throat> the elite coming out to Wayward Son too. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was great, man. I love Hangman's theme. Hangman's theme gets me amped up, dude. Like, yeah, and, and of course we can't mention, uh, you know, we can't leave Swerve out. One of the best wrestling themes ever made, man. I just one thing about being a parent when you got a kid that's into wrestling, anybody your kid is into, it automatically like makes you a mark for him. Also, with the exception. Bobby Lashley for some strange reason my son Brett just loves Bobby Lashley um but Brett's really into swerve right now to the point where like anytime he's coming out I can just look over on the couch and Brett's doing the freaking Prince Nana dance man so swerve, yeah swerve's the man dude it looks like uh another thing we're gonna get at revolution is swerve hangman and Samoa Joe triple threat so that should be pretty great uh let's do the beverage break though you know one thing about pod warriors man me and Jordan do not pod sober dude every once in a blue moon you might catch us podding sober on the goal line or the regular Chick Foley show feed, but not on Pod Warriors. We're knocking back some beverages. Two best friends talking about wrestling, and uh, yeah, the, the brews go great with that. So, what are you drinking tonight, man? I am drinking a beer. It's called Colorado Native. Um, I'm drinking their Amber right now. I actually already had a uh, the one that's called the Cerveza, and then uh, I also still have an IPA left to drink from Colorado Native. Um, I brought you pick these up on your trip. Yeah, I brought these back from Estes Park. Dude, these beers are so good. They had a Christmas one too the first night that we got there, and I bought one six pack of it and I downed it that night, and then went back the next day and they were already gone. So it was pretty pretty deflating that I didn't get, grab any more of those because that was like one of the best Christmas beers I've ever had. So um, yeah, I, I love trying new beers of different places. So this one's a good one. <laughs> the i'm drinking a corona and lime man can't beat it dude classic combo right there um we're gonna move on and talk about one of the lowlights man like honestly one of the (laughs) all-time just botches in wrestling history right here revolution 2021 exploding barbed wire death match hellified match up to that point man i thought i thought the match really delivered on the violence and some of the explosions and stuff they had done but that explosion at the end of the uh kenny omega john moxley match man like what what are you thinking as you as you see this go down jordan the match itself is fine it's completely fine it was it was made to be what it was and they delivered on it but you get to the end of that and they're doing that fucking countdown and i'm like oh my god dude like the the best way to do this is like flash an explosion in front of the camera and then everything just goes black like and you just you just roll off air from there no yeah hit some smoke bombs something like that no instead we get a a flash of sparkler 
Fucking snakes and sparklers. Uh, like, dude, like, who is it? Who put this on? Kicking wing? Like, come on, man. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't have no who's could do's or who's could don'ts. No whistling night, bungholes. They had nothing. It was just a couple of sparklers yeah. and a little bit of smoke. And though I think the worst part about it, too, was um, just like them trying to make a big deal about it. And it, that just made it 10 times worse. I feel like they could have saved it if they were like, oh, it must have been some kind of. Uh, mishap where it didn't all go off and then everybody just kind of walks off and you're like well that fucking sucked but the fact that they tried to sell it just made it a hundred times worse yeah you had kenny omega and don Callis like awkwardly laughing eddie kingston still selling it like he just got shot dude um because he didn't know he said that you know he put his head down he didn't know what had happened he hurt he heard some sounds he wasn't sure what it looked like because he was just already in dude the thing that pissed me off man is if they would have had a proper explosion or something close to a proper explosion, I think that would have been one of the most beautiful moments of storytelling that we've had in wrestling, you know, if not ever, at least in the last five or six years, man. You know, Eddie Kingston and Mox, they're, you know, they used to be friends. As far as we knew in AEW, they'd been feuding the entire time, right? Like they they were at each other's throats. You know, they main evented uh, the prior pay-per-view. They had main evented against each other. Um, for the AEW championship and you know you got Eddie Kingston coming out to save his rival but you know his old friend and protect him from this explosion and I thought that would have been just an awesome awesome ending to the pay-per-view but instead it just becomes freaking comedy central dude I still like looking back on this it's kind of fucking embarrassing you know it's just like dude like why are uh, I don't know man I just it's so bad it, it, that that whole thing is just so bad. There's not really yeah. much you can say about it, but yeah, it's not good. The dude, the one that they, um, the one that they have on AEW Fight Forever, the video game, it's awesome, dude. Like the explode, like they actually, it's. Yeah, I'm not sure they've ever had exploding barbed wire death matches in a video game before. They got them in Fight Forever. And that one's great, dude. The explosion's awesome, man. The first thing we did when we got that game, me and Brett fired it up, and we we did a, a Malachi Black versus Luchasaurus exploding barbed death match. That explosion freaking delivered, man. So they definitely, you know, they know what it one's supposed to look like, but uh, yeah, they just could not execute it that night for whatever reason. Have you played Fight Forever, dude? I have not. I still have not played that game, unfortunately. I just, I heard so many shitty things about it that I just, I could not justify spending the money to buy it um and you've even said like you guys have played it very little since you got it yeah so uh, you know i think the problem was dude that it it is a fun game right it's a very fun game like as far as straight up the bell rings playing a match it's a ton of fun on there but there's not a whole lot of modes and the roster feels like it's like 70 percent done i feel like they were kind of caught between like two different ideas because they pitched it as being like a Fortnite or Rocket League like subscription model thing, right? Where you have like just seasons where they'll add in new people and new game modes and stuff um, like they do on Rocket League and Fortnite. But the thing is, those games, they're free, dude. Like you could you get those games for free and then you just buy the DLC and stuff. Five Forever, they were charging full price, man. And I think there just wasn't enough meat on the bone to where, you know, the game didn't sell good enough um, at, when it initially released. And that kind of killed the incentive for them to keep developing stuff like they've added a few they've added a few people to the roster since the game came out but they haven't done anything like they were talking about about making this like a 
you know, it wasn't going to be like WWE where you have a new game you got to get every year. You would just buy this one time and have new stuff come out for it. And it looks like that idea has kind of died on the vine. So I don't know. I'm hoping that the, they at least did it well enough to where they can take another crack at it. Because the, the the gameplay engine they have is fun, man. It's really, really close to the old N64 wrestling games. But there's just not a whole lot you can do aside from firing it up and, and you know, playing a few matches. Yeah, maybe they try to re-release the game again eventually. Because I've thought about that too, man. Have a you know re-release it again around like a big DLC drop, right? Like add in a couple, you know, a new game mode and like you know eight or ten new characters for downloading and make them free, right? Make all the downloadable stuff free just to kind of boost the the install. Because they did so, they put Stadium Stampede matches in the in the game, right? Like you could do um, it. it you know, it's it's basically like a, if a wrestling game was Fortnite, you're in the stadium um, and you got to kind of like, you know, keep, if you know how Fortnite works, like the the playing field kind of like constantly like constricts and stuff. But it's a 30 person elimination match. But the problem is that there was rarely 30 different people playing online at a time, dude. So even that kind of fell flat. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think they need to just make the game free and just start charging out the wazoo for DLC. Like video people who play video games are fucking dumb about that. Like people will spend money just to buy, you know, people would spend five bucks to buy the outfit that Kenny Omega was wearing on like the last pay-per-view, you know? That's a very nice way to say it. They are dumb. We're all <laughs> fucking idiots. Like anybody who plays video games is a fucking idiot and has no problem. Yeah, I'm just saying we'll money. spend you'll yeah, we'll spend money on stupid shit, man. That's what I mean. I love video games. I play video games pretty much every night, but but yeah, dude, like if you told me like, you know, if Hangman and Swerve end up, you know, fighting for the belt at, at, uh, at All Out this year and they both got some fire ass ring gear. And if later that week I can spend five bucks and, get, you know, add those attires in the game. Hell yeah. Bro, I'm not even thinking twice, man. Click the button, dude. Add the add the AEW bucks or whatever it is in the in the game you got to spend, right? Yeah, that'd be awesome. I I feel like they'll, they'll write the wrong eventually. I just don't know how long it's going to take. All right, let's move to September of 2021, man. This is a real fork in the road moment, man. Like if you if you ask me, this is kind of where AEW lost the thread a little bit and, you know, still awesome, but kind of fell off the peak that they were on there for a while. Um within a month time frame, you got CM Punk, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole all debuting at the same time. Uh I guess we can start off with just the individual moments, man. CM Punk debuts on I think the 3rd episode of aw rampage uh all timer of a pop man like in chicago everybody knew it It wasn't announced but everybody pretty much knew it was happening um we we know how jordan feels about punk now what were your thoughts uh august 2021 when he he makes his return to wrestling for the the first time in about seven and a half years this was actually the second episode of rampage um i remember when they announced this um, that they were doing it at the United Center. You knew you were getting something special that night, and everybody just kind of knew it was going to be punk. Uh, 15,316 people, and all of them were there for one thing and one thing only. And they delivered. They gave out ice cream bars. The The shirt stands had lines that were two hours long to buy the CM Punk is here and stuff shirt. Um, no matter how I feel about the guy, the fact that AEW got CM Punk to come there, um, I felt like that was a pretty big moment for AEW overall. Just, I, I don't like the guy. I just, I don't. I, I think a lot of Same. the stuff that he's done, um, I I just feel like it's it, it's really worn off any, like, goodwill I have for him. Um, he complained a lot for eight years and then came back to wrestling. It's just, 
don't know, man. I, don't get me wrong. I was excited that he came out. Like, I thought that was a big moment for AEW. I really did. Felt like that was kind of a a point where they had turned the corner and, like, it really did start feeling like a big deal at that point. Um, I'm not saying that dude doesn't put butts in seats because he does, but I don't know. It's just as time has gone on and especially with what's happened, like that moment to me feels a little bit, I don't know, man. It just, it doesn't feel the same anymore to me. Something changed in AEW when, when he showed up, man. Yeah. And it's, I, it, I feel like they're still searching to kind of get back to what they were since then. Um, a couple weeks later at the, uh, at all in, no, excuse me, all out 2021, <laughs> End of the night, we have Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuting in the same segment. And I remember after this show wraps up, I'm thinking like, I felt like they were like ready to go toe to toe with WWE at that point. Dude, I just remember me and you texting back and forth. And I, I remember the text conversation very well. Um, Adam Cole comes out and you text him and said, damn it. Or something along the lines of damn, man, they couldn't even get uh, Daniel Bryan for this show. Like, kind of looks like a flop now like adam cole is great and all but not getting daniel bryan who was arguably if not the best wrestler in the world at that point one of the best wrestlers yeah. in the world at that point and it just kind of felt like man they're really losing it and then i think within like two minutes the music hits and i was like holy fuck man they actually got <laughs> daniel bryan dude like i i feel like AEW's one of their biggest weaknesses is they don't make it feel big enough when they get new people over there, you know, like it, it yeah. wears off after night one, like by Wednesday, it didn't even feel that big anymore that Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan had debuted. I feel like they got to figure out a way to make it just seem meaningful longer. Cause I just, I feel like they bury it with the rest of that show. Like, I'm sorry, man, that next Wednesday, that should have been nothing but them just like talking up Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, as we know him now, as the two biggest wrestlers in the world. And I feel like they failed at that. Yeah, I feel like if I had one like overarching critique on AEW, it, it's kind of in line with that, man. It just feels like nothing matters, dude. I, I can't really put my finger on exactly why that is. I don't know if maybe the show just because it moves so fast between the pay-per-views and the weekly TV or Maybe their their like video packages just aren't up to the caliber of WWE's, but I always enjoy it, man. Right? I've never sat down and watched an episode of AEW TV or an AEW pay per view and been like, man, that sucked. But I've definitely watched them and like enjoyed it while I'm watching it. And then like if you ask me the next morning, like name five things that happened on Dynamite, I I got to struggle a little bit, man. It just seems like it all kind of just like goes like you know it, in one ear and out the other, so to speak. I feel like I feel like AEW is that kid that you knew in third grade that couldn't focus. Like he, he we would all be doing a math problem and this fucking <laughs> kid's talking about recess. Like I, I feel like that's And everybody what, knows that kid, man. Everybody like, knows exactly the kid you're talking about. Like dude. I feel like that's what like AEW is. It's like they can't focus on what's happening right in front of them. Like they're always worried about what's next rather than what's happening currently. And Dude, they delivered so well the first two years on focusing what like what was happening currently. And somewhere along the line, maybe it was CM Punk, maybe it was the Adam Cole uh Brian Danielson thing. I don't know, man. It just it felt like they could not focus on what was happening and they were they were always worried about what was next. Like I don't know. 
it, and this is not to say that this is not a great period for AEW because this period we're talking about right now is still in AEW's wheelhouse for when they were fantastic at running shows because I went to shows. Yeah, they're running. Uh, yeah, and they're rolling right into the next Grand Slam, man, where we saw uh, Danielson and Kenny Omega put on an absolute clinic. I think it was definitely Omega's best match in AEW to that point. It was a time limit draw, right, on yep. that one? Yeah, and it was phenomenal. 30-minute time minute time limit draw, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, absolute clinic, man. And, you know, they were in Arthur Ashe in New York. Uh, the biggest show that they'd ran that far, at least from a, uh, you know, from an attendance perspective, it, it looked like a big deal. I mean, it looked like it should have been a freaking pay-per-view. The, like, going back and looking at pictures of this first one, this first Grand Slam, it's incredible. Like, just like the backdrop of there being a wrestling event there. Because that stadium is huge, man. Like, yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize how big that actual stadium is. Like, it's gigantic. and Yeah, it's built to host the uh, the U.S. Open, which is one of the, you know, three or four biggest tournaments in the world for uh, for tennis. Yeah, and they they had that place packed, man. I, I still remember back to this time, because this, this was the time, like, right after pandemic where everybody's like god dude i want to get some travel in and um i had talked to ari about this and i was like i kind of want to go to this show she's like you're gonna fly to new york to go to an AEW show and i'm like yeah but like when when the big stuff happens you you feel like you need to be there you know and like yeah. i just i felt like i'm driving was, 10 hours to greensboro for sting dude i just i felt like this was gonna be one of those moments where it's like dude you'll re- always remember being in attendance and like looking back on it i really wish i would have actually pulled the trigger and gone because this was a really good show and it was really well done and they just they produced the shit out of it it looked good and yeah i just it, I, I, it does make me sad that i didn't go to this one I remember you hitting up me about going to it and yeah. I tried to, I tried to sell Sheen on it and it was basically dead on arrival. Yeah. It, this would have been a good one to go to, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't meant to be, I guess. <laughs> Let's fast forward to uh full gear. Another just fine piece of pro wrestling business, man. Hangman defeats Kenny Omega to win the championship. This was really in a lot of ways. This was like the overall story arc of AEW from that first pay-per-view uh double or nothing up until um up until this night man that was really kind of the one thing that was going dude it was hangman losing uh that that first championship match to kenny omega you know he earned the title shot at double or nothing he loses it all out goes on a little tag team run with kenny falls out with kenny and the bucks and you know it was basically hangman's redemption dude like that path back to the championship uh awesome match the bucks kind of give him the cosign like they come out you think they're going to interfere and help uh help kenny but they don't they just give hangman like that nod buckshot lariat goes over clean as a sheet against what i think was the top wrestler in the world at that time kenny omega um and then i was in you know this one's really special to me one i love hangman two i was in the house that wednesday night the very next uh you know jordan was there when he won the belt i was there at the dynamite right after uh when he comes out in his home state of virginia with a virginia's for lovers shirt on he's got the leather fringe jacket and he's showing off that aw belt it was just to me, man, that was the absolute peak of AEW right then. Going to this show, um, this is probably for me a top three wrestling show I ever went to. Um, once it had, you had kind of started to see like the the seedlings of this is probably going to be where Kenny or Hangman wins the belt. Um, I just I decided I had to go to this show and be on the floor for it and see it happen live and in person, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. It was. It was a snowy night in Minnesota. It was just, it was like a weird night. 
like every, a lot of the stuff around it was closed. It just seemed really weird, but um, the show itself was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it just, and ending it this way, like you're not wrong. This was the peak of AEW that, that night him winning him doing his speech after the match, the dark order coming out. Like it just, it was perfect. Like th- they nailed this. They nailed him winning the belt that night. And yeah, just everything about it was awesome. I just, I still have fond memories of this. And actually we, uh, the world of wheels came to Omaha in March of 2022. Um, it was actually the morning of uh, WrestleMania night one. And we went and Kenny Omega was actually there and we all got our picture with him. And uh, Zoe got to hold the belt and everything. It was, it was really cool. So. Nice. Yeah, man. Hell of a night. Uh, you know, Hangman's run wasn't nothing to write home about, but him winning that belt was just, it's its definitely on the short list of best moments. He didn't need to history. have a huge run, though, dude. Just him winning the belt was enough to make that a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I feel you 100% on that. Um, let's go to another a, another kind of down moment. Uh, you know, I like to call it the, the Chicago scrum job. Uh, it's most commonly known as brawl out. Talking about all out 2022, um, you know, Hangman or CM Punk gets the belt from Hangman at Double or Nothing 2022. Gets injured right after. There's a whole lot of just convoluted, complicated shit happening with the AEW Championship, but it ends up with him defeating Mox at Double or Nothing to become a two time champ. Um, but the real story is the press conference right after, dude. Like there had been some chirping back and forth. Him and Hangman did, you know. I think Hangman was cutting a promo. CM Punk mm-hmm. took it as a shoot, though, and started shooting on Hangman uh, prior to their their match for the championship back in May. It seemed like some resentment carried over from that. There was stuff, you know, you, you just search Chicago, you know, brawl out Chicago scrum job. You can get all the details, man. You know, the Bucks and Kenny Omega supposedly feeding stuff to Dave Meltzer. But basically, CM Punk goes to this press conference right after he main events the pay-per-view, wins the championship, sitting right there next to Tony Khan, and just eviscerates the entire company, man. Like, the, sa- the saddest part was, dude, that really at the end of the day, all the shit that he was saying, he was talking about Tony Khan, man, basically just not running uh, a tight ship, dude. And, you know, whatever you want to say about him, man, like I felt like that was just a cheap shot. This dude's brought you back into wrestling. He's made you the he's made the entire television product revolve around you since you came back, paying you a ton of money, I'm sure. And you're going to sit there and just be that much of a, a self-righteous prick right next to the guy. It just showed you exactly what kind of character he was. And then he goes on to badmouth Colt Cabana, dude. That, that's another reason why I say, uh, you know, if you have any sort of doubt, dude, just look at the people that CM Punk fights with, man, if you want to know what kind of asshole he is. Because I've never heard anybody else have anything negative to say about Hangman or Colt Cabana, dude. Like, those are, obviously, we don't know these people, but from what we see on TV and what we see on you know, their personal lives that they share with us. Like, am I crazy? They seem like two of the most like wholesome, nice dudes in the wrestling biz. Yeah. This was, uh, this was one of the things I was referring to when I said like the shine had worn off the, the first dance thing with CM Punk. And this moment was one of the moments that just kind of made you realize who he was as a person. He's a fucking shitty person and he's an extremely vindictive person. And, um, he, he just he cannot get out of his own way on just being that person that he is self-destructive just shitting on people for no reason at all it's just i get it and 
punk fans are always going to stick up for him. I get it, man. But I don't know how, man. Like, dude, he is. Dude, he's he's, he's not that entertaining in the ring. It's. I mean, he's a fine wrestler, but he's not Bret Hart. He's not Kenny Omega. He's not Shawn Michaels. He's not like somebody that's like, you know, I think, you know, Michael Jackson, right? Like Michael Jackson's got all these horrible allegations about him, but the music is so good that it's like undeniable, right? Like CM Punk's not that. Like, I, I don't know. I've never gotten why people just bend over backwards with the mental gymnastics to forgive this guy for what a dickhead he is. Yeah, it and it's sad, man. It really is because the working relationship until this point was actually working and it, it actually made sense. Like a lot of the things they were doing made sense. It just, I don't know, man. The, the fact that Tony Khan bent over backwards to make this dude look like a million dollars and then that's how he repays him. I don't know, man. I don't know how anyone can think like, oh man, CM Punk is like this great person. Like he did that to the person that brought him back to wrestling, gave him a chance, gave him a fuckload of money, let him win the title almost immediately. I just, I don't know how you can, how anyone can sit up here and defend him. Like I know everybody says, oh, well, it always takes two to tango. It's like, yeah, but look, look at what Seth just said. Like the people he's talking shit about are people that nobody ever says anything bad about. I just... He was talking trash about seeing uh, Colt Cabana having a bank account that he shared with his mom. Like, what's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Like, this dude's helping out his mom with money, man. Like, big deal, dude. To me, like, that that comment right there just showed everyone exactly who he is and how people continue to look past that is beyond me. Like, who gives a fuck, dude? I don't care if you live in your mom's basement. It doesn't make you any less of a person to me. Yeah, sticking with punk, man. On what should have been absolutely crowning achievement for AEW, a day to just celebrate how far they they've come thus far as a company. Um, pack in, you know, depending on what number you read, it, you know, somewhere between eighty and ninety thousand people um, in Wembley Stadium. He makes it all about himself again, dude. He lets freaking Jungle Boy of all people get under his skin to the point where he damn near ruins the show and gets himself fired. Yeah, it's just. I don't want to do a whole lot of talking about him because like, this is supposed to be us celebrating five years, AEW. And I just, I feel like every time we talk about CM Punk, it's just always going to be in a negative <laughs> light just because of who he is. Um, and I, I just, nailed it, dude. Fragile ego, fragile body, weak mind, weak spirit, man. That's the, the single most accurate CM Punk summary that, that you can find anywhere. Before we go too much further into the timeline, I do feel like we at least need to mention, um, Forbidden Door 2021 or 2022. 22. 22. Yeah. I went to this. Such a groundbreaking show. And I, 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 this was another show that I told myself I had to be at just because the fact that we pretty much knew we were going to get Okada on a, an American show, like it's just, it, it never happens. Um, for a while, it didn't look like we were going to get him. Like I had bought tickets right out of the gate because I, I knew I wanted to be there. Um, and then it looked like he wasn't going to wrestle. Like um, his wife was pregnant. And I'm like, dude, if I seriously shelled out all this money and Okada doesn't even wrestle, um, it ended up being a great show. It was a lot of fun. Dude, To to still to this day, it just blows my mind. Like, obviously, New Japan's not as big over here. But New Japan is the biggest wrestling company outside of the United States. It's not even close either. Yeah. The fact that they paired with the second biggest wrestling company in the United States to run joint shows i just i feel like that that to me should tell you like 
there is something there as far as like Tony Khan's business acumen. Like he, he has an idea of how he's supposed to run a company. He just like, like I said, he's like the fucking kid that can't focus on what he's doing right now and has to be focused on the next thing. Like that, that's Tony Khan's biggest weakness, man, because he does make good wrestling decisions. Like dude, Doing Forbidden Door was one of the best decisions he ever made. That place was packed. They packed the United Center. There was people everywhere. Everybody was excited about it all weekend. That was one of the funnest wrestling weekends I've ever had. And I don't know, man. I just, again, Tony Khan knows what he's supposed to be doing. He just, he struggles to get there sometimes. And um, yeah, but I I hope the Forbidden Door thing continues because it is really fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. I think I think they got a good relationship. I mean, we saw a second Forbidden Door this year, and then we had uh, Wrestle Dream. I mean, that was kind of that was Forbidden Door S. Ton, ton of crossover on that one. Yeah. Um. So Wembley, man, I, I thought that show came off great, dude. I, I know there's been some critiques over the years of AEW kind of just fumbling on the presentation a little bit, but I thought they did a good job making that show, you know, seem as big as it really was, packing packing that many wrestling fans into the building. Yeah, whatever. Like, dude, this is the other thing that annoys me is people that are like arguing attendance. Who gives a flying fuck? They it was sold. A fly, it was a fuckload of people, dude. dude. They sold a fucking assload of tickets without even announcing a match. We had no idea what was going to happen on this. They didn't even start announcing matches till like three weeks before the show, and it was still basically sold out. That was the first big show since SummerSlam in 92 to run Wembley, and they absolutely killed it. I don't care what anyone says. That show was one of the biggest success stories in wrestling history. Like, uh, a less than five-year-old company runs Wembley and nearly sells the fucking joint out, puts on a banger of a show. Like Seth just said, it was presented perfectly. This was this was AEW's, like, crowning achievement as far as presentation goes, like, it felt like we were watching a huge wrestling company put on a huge show. Like, and the crazy thing is this was the week before all out. So I felt like people could have mailed it in, man. I I really do. I feel like the wrestlers could have mailed it in. Like fans could have mailed it in. It could have been a glorified house show. You know, it was not that it was was the biggest pay-per-view AEW ran last year by far. Adam Cole and MJF gave us one of the most WWF or WWE esque matches that, AW's ever put on and it just hit dude oh yeah that that show to me is like that's as close as you can get to like wrestling perfection for a a, a secondary company because i mean in the end AEW is still i think for company. any company man i mean yeah I get, I get what you're saying dude but i think i think the quality would have been great for everybody you had awesome in-ring action you had the great storytelling you know the great i mean the main event was just straight up sports entertainment all the way with you know what's going to happen with MJF and Adam Cole. Are they going to turn against each other? They're going to be good sports. You had the nostalgia with Sting coming out in front of those London fans who, you know, have always supported him big time, even though he's really only been over there a handful of times in his career. Uh, Will Ospreay in front of his home company or home country. Uh, dude, I thought that was damn near a perfect after. And the other cool thing, dude, we always talk about it. It's awesome watching daytime wrestling, man. We got to watch that show in the, uh, the afternoon. I thought that was lovely, dude. Yeah, that that show is is going to go down in history, whether or not this next one works or not to be determined. But 
for the this fact next one they're going yeah. to juice the card dude I, I think they could do well again but i don't think they're doing that without any matches announced man because you know it's the, the big novelty of that was you know aw just putting on this big show in the uk so well, if you're doing it the second time you got to put some matches on that bad boy to me here's the thing though like dude this is this is tony khan's smart business london doesn't get that many fucking shows so like when a wrestling show comes to london they're gonna buy tickets like no matter who's wrestling what it is like dude that's rewarding the european fans which i feel like wwe does a really poor job of this and i get it they, they've gotten better about it but i mean dude look last year they ran that was london for money in the bank right they had to be kicking themselves. They didn't do money in the bank in Wembley, man. I don't know why they just did it in the regular arena. Okay, but I am remembering that right. So they did. Yeah. they did money in the bank and in London. They, they clash did. in the Clash of the Castle was twenty twenty two, but that was in I think Wales. Yep, and then they did um, Backlash in Puerto Rico. Those shows fucking kill because the fans are happy, dude. When you yeah. run Boston anywhere chicago like sometimes the fans are jaded because they've just seen everything so much but like those people are legitimately jacked for every match and i i i honestly was hoping this wasn't going to be a one-off for wembley because i loved that show um like you said afternoon wrestling it gets no better for the u.s fans either and the london fans are just jacked man and I feel like a lot more U.S. people are going to go to it this time around just because how big of a success it was last year. Um, and they gave you a full year this time to to kind of save up and prepare yourself for that because I would love to go to that show. I think seeing a wrestling show at Wembley would be unreal. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, as I'm sitting here recording, I'm looking at a, a Sam Evans painting of SummerSlam 92, Bret Hart and the British Bulldog. I'm right there with you, dude. So I know I know it's a different Wembley. It's a, it's a new Wembley Stadium. But, yeah, that had big SummerSlam 92 vibes all over the place for me, which is one of my all-time favorite wrestling shows. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do for the sequel. Um, so one last thing we'll touch on timeline-wise, the big storyline uh, coming out of – of uh all in that rolled all the way into uh world's end the final pay-per-view on december 30th of 2023 the devil freaking you know we see the rest of the adam cole mjf saga play out and ultimately it ends with adam cole turning on mjf um all in all i thought this was one of the cooler things that AEW's done in the last last couple years man i thought they did a you know, a couple, couple missed story beats here or there, but for the most part, I was really happy with how this played out, dude. If I had one critique, I don't know if I'm, if I feel like they probably could have found two better people than, um, you know, Mike Bennett and, and Matt Taven, but I get it. They got history with Adam Cole, so it, it makes sense from that standpoint. But I was overall pretty, pretty happy with the devil, and I really liked how they did the, the reveal at World's End. Um, what, what's kind of your temperature on, on the devil storyline now that it's, it, it's kind of in its second phase? This is one of the best storylines they've ever put out. Um, I know a lot of people were pissed with the ending of it. And like you just said, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, but that didn't bother me. Honestly, I just thought the reveal of the, no, devil, that made sense. I, I just felt like the reveal of the devil was so good the way they did it. Like, again, that was pure production from AEW. Like that was, yeah. that was perfect. Um, the way the lights came up with Adam Cole's hair all down in his face and he just slowly sets up like, yeah, that it was cinema, man. They did it right. The only thing that, and this has nothing to do with Adam Cole or MJF. The only thing that I still have a kind of a problem with about that pay-per-view is the way they just kind of nonchalantly acted like Samoa Joe just won the title. Like that should have been 
such a big deal because like dude Samoa Joe's never been on top of a major company and me and you have talked about this for years like he has deserved to be on top of a company I'm still going back to great balls of fire he should have beat Lesnar that night <laughs> yeah. like dude yeah he was so fucking hot at that time like the crowd behind him oh man it's just dude it, so- you, and the thing is you could have had Brock win it back the next month if you're still trying to get to Roman and Brock eventually like Wouldn't but you could have had jo- Joe still yeah Joe should have won that night Joe is just you can tell he's just such a good guy I mean some of the stuff that he did in WWE like when he was an announcer and stuff and they didn't want him to wrestle like you can just tell he's a good person like you can tell he's a good human and like that's the kind of people you want to get behind and so like that's my biggest critique of the end of world's end was that but the devil you know I'm the king of kayfabe man you got to remember dude Joe had already made the deal with the devil dude like they had said you know the week before pleasure doing business with you man I think he was in on it. I think in my in my kayfabe brain, they told Joe, hey, we're going to make sure you win this belt. Just, you know, we have business to do afterwards. So get out of there, you know. And, yeah. I, and I felt like it made it that, you know, I, I felt like they still did a good job. Like when Joe came out with that brand new AW title on Dynamite in, in the suit looking like a million bucks, dude, he looked like the biggest star they got, man. I'm we're going to move past Devil Storyline a little bit. But, dude, I'm so happy that Samoa Joe is the champion. Um, that match last night with Hook. I dude just Samoa Joe just looks like a huge deal now. Like he's a killer. There's just the crowd is so into his matches. I mean, dude, if we seriously get the triple threat with Hangman and um Swerve, I, I don't I don't know how you could make a better main event than that, to be completely honest. Like I just Yeah. That's perfection. Like yeah, I'm excited to see what he does, man. Yeah, you know, hopefully the health is there because he's going to come out and said, I saw on Twitter, he responded to somebody. Um, they were talking about, you know, WWE was so stupid, not letting him wrestle. And then he told him, he said, no, I just had injuries. Like that time he was doing the commentary and stuff, he was just banged up. Because remember, he ended up coming back to NXT, actually won the NXT championship. And then he got hurt after like two matches then. And mm-hmm. then ended up, uh, you know, getting released shortly after. Uh, I think he was just had a had a rough period health wise there for a while, but it seems like he's been doing really good since he's been. It. I don't remember him missing any time on the shelf since he's been with AEW. No, no, I think he might have missed a little bit of time for personal reasons, but dude, for the most part, he's been healthy since he's been in AEW. That not having to work every night of the week makes a big deal for your body and stuff, and I think that's exactly what he needed is this lightened schedule. Yeah, definitely. So that's. That's five years of AEW in a nutshell. Obviously, there's a ton. There's a ton of really fun and memorable stuff that you know we 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 could have potted on. I would direct anybody if you're a hardcore AEW fan, check out our good friends over at the Turnbuckle Tavern. The two bad chads do an awesome AEW recap that's out every uh, you know every Wednesday night, Thursday morning, right after Dynamite. So uh, definitely give that a listen, man. Got to give those guys a plug. Yeah. Uh, if we're gonna be talking AEW on here, uh, you ready to get into some awards? Yeah, let's do it. So we're not going to go super in-depth, but we are going to give out some of our best of the first five years of AEW. Let's start off your favorite figure of the AEW line. All right, let's go all the way back to Series 3 on the Unrivaled line. The Darby Allen 1 of 500 chase. This figure 
I I don't know how I didn't buy this to this day. It's just this figure is perfection. I know we got kind of something similar to it um in the um unmatched line, but dude, the skateboard and his paint and everything in on this figure is just absolute perfection. This is what a chase should be. Like th- this figure showed you what you sh- what a chase should be. Yeah, I'm honestly I'm right there with you, dude. I uh I had to kind of just because the price is so high on that thing, I kind of had to just tell myself, like, you know what, the other Darby's are are close enough. Um, you, you you know, you can live without this one, but I agree, dude. That figure is absolutely sick, man. I'm gonna do a quick uh, I'm gonna do a quick eBay search, dude, for what that thing's going for right now because it does look incredible, man. I think there there was one that came out similar that had that same like half his body printed that was like I said, it was close enough to pass, but it's still not the same, dude. So. Um, there are currently none listed for sale on eBay right now. It was a one of 500. This is back when the rares were truly rare, man. Like if that, if those run counts are true, that's extremely low. Let's see what the, uh, what the last sold was on, uh, on eBay. What you want to take a, a, a schwack at it? What do you guess the last Darby rare sold went for? Um, I'd probably guess somewhere in the 500 range, maybe five, five fifty somewhere in there. So he's all over the place, man. Somebody's gonna be pissed off when they when they they hear this, man. So on November twenty first, one sold for five hundred and nineteen dollars. December seventh, one sold for three hundred and ten dollars. So so somewhere between three hundred and five hundred bucks is the uh, the going rate for this guy. Yeah, and honestly, that's what that figure is sick. That's what it should go for. Yeah, Dar- Darby's awesome. He's one of those that they've just nailed. They put out a bunch of Darbys that are pretty similar. They're they've all been bangers, man. Uh, I'm going back early in the line too. I'm going to Unrivaled Five, the Moxley, the uh, the Chase Moxley with the the eye patch, man. You know, I, I love Mox, dude. The, the Shield is kind of what brought me back into into wrestling, um, and so I've always had just a super, you know, a, a soft spot for Roman, Seth, and Dean Ambrose, and obviously that carried on when he went back to John Moxley's AEW, and I love that figure. You know, it's depicting him right before he beats Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship with an eye patch. I think it's one of the best head sculpts that they've done across the whole line, um, and just a really sick figure, man. And uh, yeah, like those those first five sets of AEW figures were absolutely incredible. They were they they came out of the gun hot. Yeah, they they absolutely killed it. Um, th- this isn't this has a little bit to pertain to AEW, but I feel like we have to talk about it because this is breaking news. I just got a text about it. Um, Okada to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wow, do we? Is he just taking time off, or do we think he's going to go to an American company, or what's the deal? I seriously think he's going to AEW. Um, I had heard about this a couple weeks ago about him possibly leaving and going full time to an American company, and everybody immediately went AEW because a lot of his American friends are in AEW. So that's a pretty big deal, man. Like, imagine AEW picking up Okada full time to go with already getting Osprey, like. Pretty big deal, man. Yeah, yeah, I just, that'd be awesome, dude. I, I, I can't imagine him going to WWE. Uh, I'm sure he's well off fi- enough financially right now, man. That money's probably not the. It, if it it may still be the main consideration, but I feel like there's some other stuff up against it. I just I feel like if I'm him and looking at it, dude, looking at WWE's track record with foreign guys. I can't imagine that I'm going to do much better than what they've done with Shinsuke Nakamura over the past, you know, seven years. Right. Which has been, it's been fine if you look at it in totality, but definitely not what it should have been. Yeah. That, 
So I think the easy comparison for this is um, when Nakamura came over. I think yeah. that's the biggest one. I don't. Did you just say that? Sorry, I was reading something. <laughs> yeah, I said if I'm Okada, I'm probably looking at it and I'm saying to myself, I'm probably not going to do um, a lot better than uh, than what Shinsuke Nakamura okay. has done the last seven years, which is fine, but it's still not what it should have been and definitely not fitting of a guy of Okada's talent. Yeah, because like they've done cool- the, the listeners there. You guys just got a two for one special courtesy of Jordan. Yeah, I mean, they, they've done cool stuff with Nakamura in WWE, yeah. but it just has never like been fulfilled. Like, what yeah, it's be. been it. Yeah, it's been at the if you look at like what the range of like good enough outcomes for his career was, I think it's been good enough, but it's at like the bottom end of it. Right. Like he, he should have had a, a couple world title reigns and stuff, man. He's just he's been it, he's gotten a couple main event runs, but he always ends up coming up short. Dude, just imagine like uh, I don't know, dynamite or the next pay per view. Oh god, dude, I just like gave myself like a fucking wrestling boner. Dude, imagine the <laughs> main ev- imagine the main event at Revolution ends and Samoa Joe's like he wins and he's like I wipe the floor with these guys. Who else you got? And then Okada's music hits. You hear the coins drop. <sighs> yeah, Tony, Tony, I still want to see that thing make it happen. <laughs> I want to see Hangman Okada go one on one, man. I feel like we never, uh, we we never got that when it was it kind of been teased a few times. Yeah, dude. Imagine uh, double or nothing this year. The main events Okada and Samoa Joe. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't really care what they put on the rest of the card. Just uh, make that a three hour match, and I'll just watch that the whole time. Yeah, very interesting. That would definitely be a big story for the uh, the early part of this year, man. Is Okada going? You never know, dude. It is a new era for WWE, man. They may they may find a way to get it done. Yeah. No no kid no kid uh you know is is dreaming about main event and double or nothing. Uh you know as they're growing up, dude. It's all about that WrestleMania main event, so we'll see what happens, man. But I I'd be shocked though if he went uh yeah. if he, I I feel like it almost put Impact as the second most likely for him to go to, I can maybe see impact just freaking putting all their chips in to just get Okada. Cause they, they seem to really have some momentum right now. It'd just be such a weird thing for him to go to WWE for all the reasons we just mentioned. Like, I don't know, man. It- they've just never, they've never handled a foreign superstar. I mean, you know, Gunther is probably the biggest deal they had, but I, I still dude. I mean, if I squint, I can maybe see Gunther, having a run as the top champ, but I, I don't, I feel like this, I, I have some very strong suspicions that this intercontinental championship run is going to be the peak for Gunther, which again, it's fine, dude. But if you're a guy like Okada, I mean, you're trying to, you're trying to go down as one of the absolute legends, right? You have a chance depending on how the, you know, this last stretch of his career goes to go down with like Anoki, right. Or, or like Masawa for, you know, absolute best of the best Japanese wrestlers of all time. Yeah, and I I feel like that's why like him going to AEW, we get more Kenny Omega and Okada matches. Like, it has to happen, man. Osprey and Okada, like, dude, the dream matches in AEW are just endless. Honestly, I just granted, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of dream matches in WWE for him. I just, I mean, dude, are you risking your career on WWE finally getting one of these guys right? I'm not. The other thing with the way WWE is working now with Triple H and, and Nick Khan in charge, it does feel much more open than it's ever been. Like we've heard stuff that, you know, they may be going into a partnership with all of Japan wrestling. I feel like the WrestleMania match is always there. If that's something he's got on his bucket list, he could go do two or three years in AEW. And I mean, if he hits him up and he's like, hey, I, you know, I'd love to 
come in for the Rumble and work some storyline between Rumble and Mania and give you guys a big match. I, I don't think Triple H says no to that. You yeah. Know? I, I, dude, I think if the phone's ringing, Okada's calling, you're answering it and you're basically doing whatever you can to get him in your company. Like, yeah, that's so not, I think look, that all... that's not some small name wrestler from New Japan. Like, Nakamura was gigantic in New Japan. He ain't touching Okada's star status. Yeah, I uh, I mean, yeah, he's really he's probably Japanese Roman Reigns is probably the mm-hmm. the best the, like the best description of him. Man, he had a long multi year run as champ there too. For for those that aren't familiar, um, all right, uh, your best match in AEW. Um, dude, there's some there's been some really good ones in just this. This last was tough year. for me too, man. I, I had a hard time coming up with my answer on this one. Um, dude, I think just just for the fact that I was in the house for it and just how big of a moment it was. I'm not saying it was the best match they ever had, but for my personal favorite match, I'm going to go Hangman and Kenny. I feel you, man. That was, that was a good one, dude. Like I said, it was the culmination of huge storyline, ton of emotion there. So yeah, no shame on that one, man. That's a good pick. That's definitely one that I had like on my short list when I was narrowing it down. I'm going with, um, all out 2020, the tag match between the revival and the young bucks, dude. I thought that match just slapped. I thought it told a great story. The action was incredible. There was a ton of callbacks with, with the teams doing different classic tag team finishers. And I thought it was just beautiful the way it ended. Um, you know, FTR hair, uh, I, I just call them FTR bald and FTR hair. Cause I end up just in my brain, I, I crossed their names with the, you know, the, the, uh, Dax and cash with, with Dawson and Dash from uh, the revival days in WWE so much. I just go FTR ball to FTR hair. But uh but FTR hair, you know, Cash Wheeler, he does the goes for the four fifty, man. They'd always said it's it's, you know, just fists, no flips. And uh he went for the flips and, and uh you know botched it and it ended up costing them the match. So I thought it was a beautiful story. Love tag team wrestling and AEW's tag team scene was really, really cooking at that time. Uh so that one's my pick. Good choice. All right, best overall show. I'll go first on this one, man. We already talked about it a lot tonight, but I'm going to go with All Out 2021, dude. I love that show. Uh, really, really fun one. The main event was good, not great. I, I couldn't really buy in on Christian freaking main event in a pay-per-view against Kenny Omega. I, I thought he had less than 0% chance of actually winning that belt. Um, but we had the huge ending with Danielson and Adam Cole debuting, you know, CM Punk had an awesome match with Darby Allen, uh, on that show. And like I said, that was in, end of that night. I'm think it really felt like, you know, maybe these guys are actually going to go toe to toe with WWE for the long haul. So, uh, I, that's, that's my pick, man. All out 2021. <laughs> it's pretty funny considering that is exactly what I picked too. Like, uh, I, I honestly had it. We did not. We have not exchanged any info no. on this show whatsoever. I man, had so. that. I had um, Double or Nothing 2021. And then I had Wembley as my three tops. And yeah, yeah I, this I just went with All Out 2021 just because of how historical it was for AEW. Yeah, they've they've never had a bad pay-per-view, man. They, they kind of I think they suffer a little bit because all their show like every single show they have is like a 8.5 9 9.5 right they so it almost makes them all kind of run together right you almost don't have any standouts because the pay-per-views are so consistently good but that one just really stuck out from from that closing segment yeah all right and last but not least best wrestler i'm going mox man i feel like mox you know he he closed the first pay-per-view debut and 
he's been the heart and soul of that company, man. Um, you know, three time champ. I feel like he's been the most consistent one. He had a stint in freaking rehab during, during, you know, really kind of when, when he was at, at one of his hottest moments of his career. Um, and still just kept answering the bell, you know, for like a year and a half, we heard like he needed to take vacation, but he just kept on showing up to work and doing what he had to do for the fans. Uh, so Mox is my pick for AEW's best wrestler in the first five years. He was on my short list, but I'm going to go with someone that I think has improved so much from day one to be who he is today. I'm going to go Orange Cassidy. Dude, um, I was a cunt hair away from saying Orange Cassidy, man. Yeah, let, let, let's hear it, dude. Give Orange Cassidy his flowers. I just, coming from what he was when AEW started, he was just a comedy act and no one really took it serious. Um, just some of the matches he's had over the, the years. One that really sticks out to me is when he wrestled uh, Pac. Um, it, it, I think it was yes. a Dynamite, but... Yep. I think that was like the night that I realized like, dude, Orange Cassidy's the real fucking deal. Like, yeah, he's a comedy act, but when this dude wants to go, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like, and he's done nothing but prove that the last two years. Like, I feel like his last two year run is up there with anybody to be completely honest. If we're just talking wrestling, I'm not talking like he's on the level of Roman Reigns as the overall persona, but as far as just wrestling, I feel like more bell to bell, man. Yeah. I just, I feel like he's, he's up there. Um, just everything about him, dude, he's a fucking star too. Like whether or not people want to admit it, he's a star. Like, yeah, if I was doing, I, I really gave to Mox. I mean, he's been great in the ring and on screen, but it was really kind of just more for what he's meant to the company. If I'm going strictly bell to bell, it's orange Cassidy. We talked about this a lot on the chick Foley show, like the, the regular, feed we're very high on orange cassidy uh, you know at first you think he's like this crazy gimmick but dude i i still stand by it man in so many ways he's the most old school guy working today dude like he makes every single thing he does in that ring matter he's working from the moment he comes out of that curtain until the moment he goes back in he is doing stuff to draw you into the character that he is and the type of wrestler he is and he's got such a unique vibe like yeah i'm right there with you man like i i gave some serious thought to Orange Cassidy, but I just couldn't bring myself to giving it to somebody that hadn't won the world title, dude. But, but yeah, great pick, man. And and you're right, dude. He's absolutely been killing it over these last five years. Yep. All right, let's get into the mailbag, and we we got a pretty big uh, mailbag to dive into here. Our bag is full. <laughs> You ready for this, dude? Let's do it. All right, let's go. Uh, we, we can go speed round on some of these, man, because we got a ton of questions. Dude. Feel free to elaborate where you need to. Feel free to go speed round where you want. Yep. What's the best storyline as of today that AEW has done? The devil storyline, no doubt. I, to me, that that was like the the purest form of, of storyline that they've done. And there wasn't a lot of misses in the whole thing. I feel like they've done some really good stories over the the course of AEW. But the problem was, is like, dude, a lot of them had a lot of missteps while they were going along. I don't feel like anything in the devil storyline missed, honestly. Like, I just, I don't know, man. Everything about it was so good. And it always left you, like, there was a lot of nights Seth would text me after Dynamite and be like, 
Jesus, are we going to wrap this up soon? Like we're, we're, they keep teasing it and it's like, just let it roll, man. It, it'll end when it ends. They'll probably go too long, but I don't think it ended up going too long. I thought they ended it at no, the perfect it nice. time. It was, it was yeah. beautiful. The ending was great for it. The, the reveal was great. I, I loved it, man. I just, I still go back to dude. I feel like if you would have swapped Taven and Bennett, with Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, I feel like it would have just that that would have just made it perfect. Man. I just that, felt like they didn't want to go team. back to the fucking wheel with that though. Like, dude, I just no, nah, I feel you because that's so that would have been so WWE, right? Because I feel like we would have all complained if they would have done that too. Like, okay, yeah. they just reformed Undisputed Era. That was the whole thing. Yeah, you know what else was great on that reveal, dude? That knee that Roddy Strong hit with MJF. When MJF took that one step, dude, he fucking launched that knee, dude. Like, that was just beautiful, man. And the other, uh, the other thing about that is, dude, they made Wardlow look like a million dollars when they did that reveal. Like, Wardlow finally, to me, looked like a complete badass when they did that reveal. And, yeah, so you got the feud with MJF, and you already got the seeds planted for... I mean, it's, it's right there, dude. They don't need to swerve us. Do the Batista turn with with Wardlow, oh, you know what God, I mean? With MJF yeah. or with Adam Cole already saying, you know, uh, but uh, Wardlow's going to win the belt, hand over to me. You're you're set up to recreate that classic moment where Batista turned on Triple H, right? Yeah, thumbs down. Oh yeah, dude, that was fucking incredible, <laughs> man. Yeah, and dude, like especially if Adam Cole keeps leaning and just being this shithead, like the fans are going to be licking their chops to see Warlow just tear him to freaking shreds. Man. I, I mean, just uh, exactly like they were when Warlow sh- uh, shredded MJF, like, but I think yeah. it'll be even bigger than that. The, for my best storyline, I'll go with Hangman's Redemption. Like we talked about yeah. earlier, just that overall arc from, uh, you know, starting at double or nothing 2019 and rolling all the way to, um, to full gear uh 2021 so that one's mine uh for the worst dude i'll go the hardy family office man whatever was happening in that whole everybody it seemed like everybody that got involved in that was just freaking ass dude for you know for for months at a time man so yeah the the, the hardy family office that whole storyline was is probably the worst thing i've seen on aw tv um that wasn't good Dude, I'm trying. I can't really come up with anything right now. I'm I'm trying to be positive tonight, so I'm trying not to get too like. Funny. What about when Brandy was feuding with uh, America's oh Top Team? God. Oh, dude, that is the worst. Mo- anything with America's Top Team was absolute garbage. <laughs> what like, about when? Or what about when Cody was feuding with Anthony Agogo and Cody Loki ended racism God. with one promo? Or when he was feuding with QT? Like, oh god, dude. The Cody verse was bad. It, that's true. It's truly. I still really haven't wrapped my mind around it. I like to think of myself as a, a really knowledgeable wrestling fan. If somebody asked me to, like, you know, write an essay or just give them a really detailed explanation of how. Cody was so horrible in AEW and then bounced over to WWE with the exact same character and the exact same presentation and somehow became the hottest thing in wrestling. Like how that happened. I, I couldn't even explain it, dude. Yeah. Cause it, WWE literally has done nothing different with Cody. Same thing, dude. I mean, if it, he could have been on AEW the night before WrestleMania 38, when he came back, dude, they did the look, the music, the character, the promos, it's all the same. And for whatever reason, it just, it's worked in WWE where it was off on AEW. It's the it's the weirdest thing, dude. I feel like one thing that really killed Cody in AEW is when he said he wasn't going to go for the title anymore after he lost. Like, then what the fuck are it, you wrestling for? 
Yeah, you're right. It kind of made it seem like it didn't matter. And I felt like it was right there for them. I mean, this is nothing groundbreaking. We're not, this is not a hot take. A ton of people have had the same opinion on the internet, but it seemed like it was right there for the taking for him to just be a heel, right? Keep the same persona still at, you know, actually be like Homelander off the boys. Like be, you think you're a baby face, but you're really a freaking heel. Um, and, and let, and, and go back on your word and challenge for the belt. It seemed like that would have been a storyline. I feel like that's a big reason why the fans in AEW got so frustrated with him just because, you know, it just would have been entertaining and seemed like for whatever reason, he had no interest in doing that. Uh, Jody JB says, besides MJF, what wrestlers AEW made popular? I mean, to be honest, I think there's kind of too many to count, dude. There's a ton of guys that they've given opportunity to um, and that probably would never got a shot in WWE. Yeah. Uh, Orange Cassidy immediately comes to mind, honestly. Orange like, Cassidy. They they would have it, it, Orange, they would have boiled him down to just being like a one-note gimmick on NXT 2.0, right? They would have took away all the nuance and different stuff he does. And it just would have been just, you know, something that's entertaining for six weeks and then you're ready for it to be off the TV. Also FTR is bigger than a bigger deal than they ever were in WWE. And I loved the revival, but dude, FTR is a huge deal in AEW. Yeah. Brett Sharrow says, how do you guys feel about Jericho's AEW run? Other than his work in the first year, I feel like it's been boring and he probably shouldn't be featured as much on TV as he is at this point of his career. I kind of agree, man. Um, I won't go as far as say it's all been boring, but I do feel like uh, Jericho's kind of in a spot, like how Shane McMahon was on WWE TV in like 2018 and 2019. Like guys get sucked into the Jericho vortex and you just in these endless like faction based feuds for, you know, six, seven, eight months at a time, dude. It's uh, I don't know, man. I feel like he's done. I feel like he, you know, being in the inner circle helps Sammy Guevara a lot. I feel like Sammy Guevara would be better off if he hadn't been, you know, either attached to the hip or feuding with Jericho for the past two years, though, since then. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm ready for him to move into his like kind of part time legends phase as opposed to the stuff he's been doing the, the last you know year and a half, two years. I, I kind of agree with that, but I kind of feel like Jericho has like vaulted a lot of people into like bigger, bigger spots on the card. Orange Cassidy comes to mind when they did that, the feud with him and orange. Like I felt like that really vaulted him up. Um, I, I felt like that match that uh, Mox and Jericho had helped Mox a ton. Like, I mean, dude, beating Jericho at that point in, in his life was, was a huge achievement and I, I feel like Mox has done, or sorry, Jericho's done a good job of like, I don't know, dude. He just, he does the job a lot more than I honestly ever thought we would see him do. Um, and I felt like it's helped a lot of the younger wrestlers being able to like get some of Jericho's tutelage on how to work in the ring and everything like that. Like, I know that shit's come up in the last three months, but I mean, I think that ended up being BS though, dude. It I, is. I, I, I it think is. that ended up being a whole lot. We don't got to go in detail, but I think. That ended up being a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, and I just feel like Jericho's helped a lot of those young guys a lot, man. Like, this is a lot of these guys' first time in the spotlight in wrestling, and I, I just feel like having him there has helped a lot of those guys. I feel that, and honestly, at this point, Jericho's kind of earned the right to do what he wants to do, man. I think, you know, Jordan mentioned him possibly being in top five earlier. I think he's probably somewhere close to the bottom of the top ten. To me, 
he's the Emmett Smith of of wrestling, man. Like, you know, Emmett Smith never gets he's never in the argument for like best running back of all time. It's usually like, you know, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, the two that get mentioned. I think Emmett, though, was he played at a top level for longer than anybody ever had any right to at running back, right? And that's what Jericho's done, man. Nobody should have ever had a run this long at the top this consistently that he's had in wrestling. And I think that's the real, um, you know, kind of like his, his biggest attribute. Yeah. All right. Sam Rosenthal says this may be controversial. Do you think AEW will still be around in five or 10 years? Um, I feel like AEW has started to turn back to what, what they were originally focus more on the wrestling and less on the sports entertainment aspect of it. I don't know if you've noticed it like as much as I have, but like, I feel like the past two months they've, they've kind of went back to what made AEW great at the beginning. Um, Continental classic was a little bit of a reset for him. It felt like, yeah, I, I feel like they've done a lot more of what made it great at the beginning, like less talking and more wrestling. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm going to say yes, the money's never going to run out either. Like his dad's never going to pull funding for this. Like there's just no way they're still making money. They're still going to have a TV deal. I know everybody makes a huge deal about like the crowd attendance and stuff, but again, we went, we talked about that earlier. There's, there's ways to solve that. Um, they just, they got to refine their footing again. And I feel like it's getting better again. So I'm hopeful and dude, I want it to be around. We need something other than WWE. Like we, we need someone yeah. to be there because it's pushed WWE. It's given, it's given us back those exciting moments of people jumping ship, right? Like that's always fun. Um, yeah, it just, it, we need it to be around, man. We need a strong number two to me, dude. I'm kind of just looking at creatively. I think it's definitely good enough to be around, right? Like even people said last year was a down year. It was still solid though, dude. It wasn't like it was like WCW in 2000, man. There was some stuff to critique the like Jordan said, attendance was down a little bit, but the pay-per-view still did really well. And for the most part, TV ratings held okay, especially for dynamite rampage and collision. Uh, you know, they had yeah. some room for improvement. But uh, but Dynamite, you know, their flagship was still good. I, I wonder about the business side of this, man. Like, I don't, from everything I've been able to gather, I don't think they've been profitable, right? They're making money, but it's also extremely, extremely expensive to put on a production like this. I think this next TV deal will make a big difference. Uh, you know, I think the cons pockets are pretty much endless. I just wonder what their stomach is for being able to take losses year after year on this product, man. So hopefully, you know, hopefully with this next TV deal, it's lucrative enough that that it becomes profitable and that they're not just, you know, running this thing basically as a, you know, on speculation or as, as some people would say, you know, a hobby for Tony Khan. Um, I think regardless, I think it'll still be around in some form or another. Look at impact, dude. How many times has, has or, or TNA as it's back to being called, how many times has TNA or impact been on death's doorstep, dude? I think there's enough of a buzz in AEW's name that if for whatever reason, if Tony did want to, you know, just get out of the wrestling game, I think somebody would snap it up, man. I don't necessarily think WWE would just cause, uh, I just don't think it'd be worth it to them. I, I think they've just, you know, let, let it go by the wayside, but I think somebody would, would try to buy it up and keep it going. So I'll, I'll say, yes, I think it is around. I think it's possible that maybe Tony Khan's not running it in five or 10 years though. Yeah. All right. Uh, Brett Sharp says, what AEW homegrown talent do you think would have the most success in a WWE atmosphere? Uh, I think MJF, man, he mentioned it. He, he went on to mention MJF in his comments. I feel like MJF is, uh, you know, if he could tone down some of the R rated aspects of his stuff, I feel like, even though he is a tremendous wrestler, I feel like he's a born sports entertainer. 
Um, I feel like the easiest answer is Jade because that's what's going to happen. I felt like they built her up enough and went through the green part of her career, and now WWE is going to get the peak of her career. So I'm going to say Jade. I just I think she's going to be a huge star. Yeah, definitely. Jason Koenig says, have you been an AEW fan since day one? Yeah, I, I can proudly say yes. I know, uh, you know, that the Chads over at the Turnbuckle Tavern that we plugged earlier, they give me a hard time because I, I can be vocally critical of AEW at times, but I will proudly say I bought every single AEW pay-per-view it's been. Uh, you know, even the Tony Khan produced Ring of Honor pay-per-views, I've gotten those. So I have supported this company wholeheartedly since day one, and I will continue to when, you know, until they do pull the plug on it eventually. Yeah, I I am we me and Seth are day one ish for AEW, like, <laughs> and it ain't going away. Like, there's just me. I think for the most part, I think the biggest problem for AEW is is people are just overly critical of it because it is different than WWE, and I feel like a lot of people are just used to WWE, so anything else to them is weird. Um, I mean, that was a lot of the critique of WCW back in the day. Like, they were so much different than WWE, and a lot of people didn't like that. So, yeah, I, I think AEW is great, man. I, I do. I they, they definitely have their flaws, but, dude, so does WWE. Don't act like yeah, WWE exactly. doesn't have flaws, man. I hate when people bring that shit up. Like, oh, well, they're, they're not WWE. They're not trying to be WWE. That's the thing, and they don't need to be WWE. Like, we need something else to watch. Like, if every week... Or let's just say, okay, let's just say for argument's sake, AEW was running the exact same thing as a, as WWE was, and whoever was champ, let's just say Kenny Omega, because that that would probably make the most sense. Kenny Omega had been champ as long as Roman Reigns, and we're we're running those two two storylines together every week, dude. Nobody wants to fucking see that. Like, I'm sorry, man. The Roman thing works for WWE. If AEW did that, we would all be fucking furious because that's not what they are. <laughs> like, I'm I'm sorry. That's just that's what it is. And I feel like people are overly critical. I see it every fucking day. Everybody is talking about like, oh, their attendance and like showing empty seats. Who gives a fuck, dude? I don't care about that in the least. I could care less if they're running an empty arena. I'm just there to watch the wrestling. That's all I care about. The other thing is, you know, people are dunking on AEW the last year or so, dude. WWE's been on a year and a half hot streak right now, but that was after basically a decade of being in the in the uh, gigantic slump, right? Like they they were in a slump more or less for for about ten years prior to Triple H taking over and getting us on this run that we're on right now. Um, so yeah, dude, I, I just think it's for whatever reason it's become the end style thing to just you know slam AEW. Um, do you think Will Osprey wins the world title this year? I think no. I think he's a year away. I think I don't think he ha- it happens at I think it happens at the 2025 version of All In. He's definitely winning the title. I just probably not this year. I think he'll uh he'll grow the um what the hell they call it now uh Continental whatever belt that is. Yeah, I can guy. see him maybe having a run with that. Yeah, the Continental Championship. Yeah, dude, I think he'll make that into a huge deal and then he'll move on to I could see like having him walk into whatever pay-per-view next year is that champion and challenging for the belt and having like a kind of an ultimate warrior kind of feel to it. I had, I could see yeah. that. It just feels like there's a feeling like there's people ahead of him in line. It feels like we, you know, it feels like Swerve's going to get a run. 
Adam Cole is going to have to get a run somewhere in there, and then we may get Hangman's second title reign sometime before Will Ospreay. So I, I think about a year and a half from now, all in 2025, that's enough time to let him uh, get fully established here in you know here with the American audience, and we'll see him go for the belt then. Um, let's see here. A lot of so if I didn't read your questions, that we that means we've already touched on it at some point in the show, or somebody had a similar question. So don't feel like I'm leaving anybody out here as we go through these. Um, do you think we see a new company take over AEW action figures in the future? I could totally see that, man. I, I could totally see them jump ship and uh, uh, you know, it seems like the Jazzwares is still putting out some good figures, even the most recent ones. There's been some really good stuff in there. But it seems like there's just a lot of issues with stuff getting out on time, um, distribution. I don't know. There's just there's a ton of room for improvement with with AEW's action figure line right now. Yeah, dude. It and it started off so good. They were the hottest line. You couldn't find those things on the pegs for pretty much the first year they were out. Yeah, I just I really feel like we we got to get back to that, dude. Like the original like love of finding those figures was was so high, and I'm not saying it has to be perfection by any means. I just I think we got to get back to some semblance of what it was before, you know. Um, yeah, it feels like with Mattel's WWE line, and obviously Mattel is a gigantic company, much bigger than Jazzwares. Even though Jazzwares is a pretty big toy company. Um, it, it feels like the misses really stand out in the Mattel line where it seems like it's the hits that stand out more in the AEW line, right? Like when a figure really hits, that ends up being like the standout of the series as opposed, series as opposed to, to to Mattel where they're pretty much knocking it out of the park on, on damn near every figure. Yep. All right. If the... Yeah, we already touched on that one. Let's see here. Talked about favorite moment. Talked about them doing a reset. What's been your favorite promo cut in AEW, and why is it Brand Brand's open mic night promo? That's definitely <laughs> the most memorable, dude. That 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 segment was cooking, dude. Regardless of what you want to say about Brandy, dude, I don't know how you know she went from being like the sweetest, like you know, sweetest lady in wrestling to all of a sudden being like straight up hood, man. Uh, that segment definitely freaking rocked, dude. For me, it's that one, and then that Moxie one I quoted earlier, where he just straight up eviscerated CM Punk yeah the the brand brand one's unbeatable dude that is such a a cringe <laughs> just everything it was, cringe about it. It was, it was so, so good bad. Uh, don't you talk about my man don't you even look at my man <laughs> uh, all right uh what's your dream this is jamie wills our uh one of our uk listeners says dream three-man commentary booth for AEW. man I, i'll take tony shivani uh, Nigel McGuinness and Taz, dude. That's probably my three favorite of all the m- different commentators that they have in the mix. Um, I'll do the same, except I'll replace Nigel with Excalibur. I I love Excalibur, man. He does he does a good job, I think. And Tony Schiavone is if he ain't the he's best the voice of, of our childhood, dude. If he ain't the best in the business, he's right up there, man. Yeah, it's uh, and I feel like Taz is low key funny, man. Taz, Taz is a good is extra awesome. cop guy. Yeah, this yeah. Guy's I like Nigel just mixing it up, hearing a little bit of British accent in there, dude. Excalibur's totally fine. I just, I literally picked Nigel just for the accent. I don't know how much of it you watched, but did you watch much of like AEW Dark on YouTube or did you ever watch any of it? I used to put it on. I never would pay super attention to it, but like if I'm just at home, this was like, you know, back when that was still a thing, my kids were a little bit younger and we had a lot of just kind of just, you know, 
if you've ever had like little kids, you know, like when you, you know, like one to three years old, you know, when you're playing with them, it kind of just involves like, you know, rolling shit around on the floor and stuff, right? It's kind of mindless. I would have it on like background on the TV as I was doing that. Um, I, I never like super tuned in though. I don't know why, but I loved like Big Show on commentary. I just. He's I, funny, bro. Big Show's a funny fucking cat, dude. It ain't just that he's funny, dude. He's just so knowledgeable in wrestling. Like, I, yeah. To me, like, he's like one of the most underutilized people they have on that fucking roster. I just feel like he could be doing so much more, uh, especially for like the younger talent and stuff, man. Like, th- there's got to be something they can use him for. He's. Dude, it's a fucking big show. Like, it, I mean, it literally is the modern day Andre the Giant. Like, I know that sounds weird, but it is. Like, we're we're not gonna have very many guys like this ever again. And I just I feel like he's so underutilized. Yeah, I uh, I agree, man. It, it, he's you know, it seems like he's been on. T- I feel like I can count the number of times he's actually been on TV since they signed him, man. Which they made a pretty big deal about it once they got him. Um. Zach Hertzler says, how long of a title run do you think Samoa Joe will have? I think the the over-under is definitely double or nothing, dude. I think he survives this. It looks like I'm almost positive we're going to get that triple threat with Hangman and Swerve at Revolution. I think he, he survives that and then drops it to one of those guys at double or nothing. Yeah, I agree. And it doesn't need to be a long title run, no matter what. Yeah. He's already successful. He already defended the belt once. So, like, dude... I just wanted him he's to already have, got more, you know, he's already like halfway to Roman's defenses in the last year and a half. I just wanted him to have the title. Um, so to me, it's, it's already a success. Like there's nothing yeah. that can taint this for me. Honestly, I hope he holds it till double or nothing, but I seriously hope that we get a lot more like dynamite title defenses against like guys that wouldn't normally get them. Cause I thought the hook yeah. thing was brilliant. I thought that was fucking brilliant the way they did it. Yeah. Like, elev- it made hook look hook leveled up in defeat, man. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Let's let, let's make Samoa Joe be like Seth Rollins style, like just a, a fighting champ, right? Like, get, you know, every couple weeks, give us a, a AW championship match on dynamite. I'm, I'm right there with you on it, that. This idea, almost dude. reminds me of this could be like the Cena thing when he had the U S title and he just did the open yeah. challenge. Like that would be fucking awesome if they did that every week. That'd be very cool. Uh, Zach also asked, do you think AEW will ever do an elimination chamber type of match? Uh, they need something, man. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen a real creative gimmick match from them, dude. You know, they had, they had Mimosa Mayhem way back in the day, and then they got their, you know, Stadium Stampede slash Anarchy in the Arena deal. Um, yeah, I, I feel like a, a good signature uh, gimmick match would really kind of work for them, dude. I think that'd be something that could could draw some fans in. Yeah, they definitely need to add something. Um, I don't know how much more gimmicky you can get, though. Like, that's the problem. Yeah, you never want to go the TNA route or, you know, we we talked about it with the NXT Iron Survivor stuff where you come up with these just overly convoluted matches just for the sake of it, right? Like, it can work, but it's much more rare that it ends up just being a mess, you know? So, but you could take something that's already been done and just put your own twist on it. You know? Fuck, run a Survivor Series. WWE doesn't use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, they've abandoned it, dude. Yeah, give us a four-on-four elimination match, dude. Um, and then Zach, last question. He says, who do you think has what it takes to bring AEW to the next level? Uh, I don't know, man. I think Swerve getting a run could be something great, dude. I feel like uh, I feel like he's really on a heater right now, dude. I. Don't don't wait on it, man. Like strike while the iron's hot, dude. I feel like I feel like Swerve needs to be that guy to take the belt from Samoa Joe at uh, at Double or Nothing. As much as I love Hangman, dude, I'd, I'd give it to Swerve 
uh, to be the next champ. Don't do the WWE thing where you wait fucking nine months to pull the trigger on something and then it's too late at that point. Like, I agree with you. Swerve needs to win the belt. I will say, though, this Okada news tonight, like, dude, you get Okada in the full for AEW. changes a lot of things, man. All right, so that's a wrap, man. Let's kind of just leave it with closing thoughts, dude. I'll start, man. For me, if I had to come up with like one thing to sum up how I feel about AEW, dude, it's just grateful, man. I'm I'm grateful that they're around, giving a whole bunch of other talented wrestlers jobs. Um, it's created competition. Like you can't as much as WWE likes to act like AEW is not competition to them. You cannot tell me that it hasn't. If it if it hasn't pushed them from a business standpoint, it's at least motivated them from a pride standpoint to to put on a better product. And that's better for all the fans, man. And I hope, um, you know, regardless of what anybody says, I hope Tony Khan sticks with it. I hope he listens to some of the thoughtful criticism out there and and continues to tweak the product to get it, you know, as, as money as possible. Um, and I really hope the fucking figure line improves, dude. If I'm being honest, if the figure, I feel like if the figure line had stayed humming, man, I'd be much more forgiving, dude. Cause you know, I've said on here before, dude, a lot of times I, I feel like sometimes I'm a, I'm a figure collector who also likes wrestling as opposed to a wrestling fan that collects figures, man. I just, I, I the, the figure collecting is a huge part of my wrestling love. So yeah, get, get jazz wears, dude, get Jeremy Padauer on, uh, on this shit to turn it around a little bit. But overall, man, I am just grateful that AEW's around. Yeah, it's just kind of to echo off that we we haven't had something this cool since WCW was around. Um, just something that could like really push WWE to be better, and also just a complete alternative. Like, I feel like that's the biggest thing that wrestling has been missing for the last thirty years is like a, a different, an alternative to what WWE was putting out. Um, I feel like AEW got a little bit off course after the first couple of years, and kind of went more towards like what WWE does, which I don't feel like helped them. I feel like they need to be different to be where they need to be. Um, But dude, I just, I hope AEW makes it and I hope Tony Khan figures it out and um, they get everything going. Cause like I'd be fucking crushed if AEW ended, dude. I'll cry, bro. I'll have real man tears, dude. I, I would literally be crushed because it's brought us so many cool moments. Like we got sting back in the fold um, and it's going to end the right way. It's just, I I would be fucking crushed if AEW left. And I like, dude, I, I encourage everyone that's listening to this. I know we see this shit talking online and stuff, dude, support AEW, man. Cause we cannot have this fucking die. If this dies, like, dude, we'll, we'll never get this again. Like this is, this is our last crack at having a actual company that can rival WWE. And I just encourage everybody to go to the shows, man. They're fun to go to. I've never been to a bad AEW show. I've went to dynamite. I've went to the pay-per-views and they're always fun. It's just, it's different, man. Let your guard down. It's not supposed to be WWE. Like that's just my biggest thing. And dude, stop making it like a, a competition online. Just enjoy both, man. Like there's a, there's a world and there's plenty of room to enjoy both. So, I guess that's my biggest thing. Yeah, these companies at the end of the day, they really don't give a shit about any of us. So nobody should be dying on the hill waving the flag for one of these companies unless uh you know, unless you're on the payroll. Yeah. All right, that's a wrap for I believe the twenty second episode of the yeah. Pod Warriors, man. It was a blast. Uh what are we gonna do for the next one, Jordan? We still need to do our bray thing. Um, I know, man. I feel like you I feel like you're putting it off because you don't want the people to hear you crying on the air, dude. 
Um, that's going to be tough for me to do, honestly. Like, dude, I feel you, bro. I, dude, I, I mean, I, I, it took me, it grew over years, dude. But I feel like by the time he passed, man, I feel like I was pretty damn close to you, man, for the love of Bray, also, dude. Like, I was, I was so hyped when he came back, man, for what he was going to be, dude. You know, I clown Jordan. Uh, quick, this will be the quick teaser for the Bray episode, man. I think we're kind of locking it in. That's got to be our next one. I, I clown Jordan because. Jordan was obviously just so overjoyed when Bray came back at Extreme Rules 2022. And I had to tell him, like, pump your brakes. And I remember texting him, like, two weeks later. I was like, dude, I was like, I think you were right, man. I I, I could kind of see Bray main eventing the next WrestleMania against Roman, dude. It feels like, you know, it feels like he's the biggest thing in wrestling right now. And, uh, you know, obviously none of that, that ended up, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to basically do the, uh, you know, kind of just do – Similar to what we did with AW tonight, we're going to do that with Bray, man. We're going to do an entire retrospective of his career. So it'll be a ton of fun. Uh, hit us with some closing thoughts, man, and we will put a wrap on this one, Jordan. Uh, I want to just, like, tell everybody, like, how enjoyable that this is for me and Seth to record these for you guys. Like, there's no, like, stress involved in um, recording one of these podcasts. Like, dude, whether you guys realize it or not, there is a lot of stress that goes into podcasting. Um, yes. make, making it right. And <laughs> we, we may or may not have seven different recordings just <laughs> trying to get this thing off the ground tonight. Dude, <laughs> dude it, it's just, there's a lot of stress to it, man. And me and Seth both have family. So like, dude, we, we take time out of our, our days to record these for you guys, for you guys to enjoy. And when you guys tell us you guys love it or, um, whatever you guys give us feedback, it just, it, I, I want you guys to know it truly does like make our day to know that you guys are yes. enjoying this and, um, that you guys enjoy what me and Seth get to talk about when we do these. So like, th- that's what these were always supposed to be is just me and Seth enjoying and just kind of sharing like our wrestling wise with you guys more than anything. So keep giving us positive feedback, keep listening. Um, we're going to start pumping some more of these out. We, we know we've kind of let you guys down with how many we've done. Um, but we've got some good ones in the chamber and we're going to, we're going to unleash them on you guys in 2024. So maybe we'll get one a month. We'll try to shoot for that and just kind of go from there. But uh, yeah, thanks again for listening and guys have a good time. Personified, and I will try.